Well, hello everyone. This is David at Opposing the Matrix again. And uh, it is Tuesday, what, the 23rd of July, 2019, marching on to 2020. That ought to be a pretty interesting time. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see, we got, uh, tonight we have Ralph Epperson. Uh, he'll be with us regularly on Tuesday nights. Uh, and basically, this is his and I show. <laughs> so um, I hope he's here because if he's not here. I'm going to be doing this by myself. Uh, and I can't do that because Ralph is unique and uh, can't I, I can't be Ralph. So uh, we're blessed to have him here. Hi, Ralph. Good evening, David. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking, sir. Uh, Ralph is going to be doing what America's the second part of America's secret destiny. Uh, the first part had me at the edge of my chair uh, for a little over, well, no, about two and a half hours, I think, or closer to three. So, Ralph, uh, man, that was that was incredible and, and really looking forward to uh, what we have tonight. It's it's just going to be amazing. I just know it. So um, without further ado, Ralph, I'm going to shut my big mouth and I'm just going to let you go ahead and, uh, and and take over from here. OK, thank you. Let me just explain that th what this is is a DVD. It's already on the internet, so I'm I'm playing my copy of the DVD to get it onto uh, Skype. You can see it. Mm -hmm. So uh, please bear with me. Uh, we've already covered two hours of the four hours of this uh, entire thing, and I've made some incredible statements. I'm not going to review them, but if you want to, you could go onto the internet and watch parts one and two. We're going to cover parts three and four today. So mm -hmm. and secondly. Uh, we're going to show slides, and they're going to advance automatically. I have no control over them advancing, but I'll shut the sound down so you can't hear it, and uh, I'll talk and fill in the blanks as to what we're what we're viewing. So we're going to cover parts three and four of America's Secret Destiny, a four-hour DVD that we've already covered parts one and two. So let's hit the button, play all videos, and there's the first slide. So I'm called America's Secret Destiny, part three or four. Now, is there, uh, can you hear me okay? I hear you just perfectly. Okay, very good. We're going to talk about James Madison, the fourth president of the United States. He was a very major uh, player in the writing of the Constitution. And we're going to talk about this book called The Federalists, written by these three men. I'll show you a picture of because they issued this 85 letters to the New York Times, and they were going to tell us what we, they were thinking about as they wrote the Constitution as a way to get us to understand what type of government they give. There it is. So we discussed the delegated powers in Article 1, Section 8. This is the man, James Madison, who the powers delegated by the Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Please remember this. We're going to see this is not true. It's a lie. Those which are to remain in the state government are numerous and indefinite. Now, does that sound pretty adequate? Is it loud enough for you? Oh, yes. Oh, perfect. Are few and defined have to be listed. If that's what that means, few and defined. So there's only a few. And if they're not listed, you ain't got it. The United States does not have them. So if it's not listed, you don't have the power. Let's read the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. I'll show you that. Now, notice yeah, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution are reserved to the states or to the people. And last week, 
we talked about that. So now we know that Congress has delegated powers and they're few and defined. Few, keep remembering few and defined. So I'm asking you, now I'm gonna read you these powers. We'll see whether or not there's any mention of stem cell research, space capsules, Hubble telescopes, and trips to the moon. Are they, where, if they're not listed, there's no delegated power. That's what we're told. Congress shall have the power to tax for stem cell research. Is there such a power? No. How about this? Congress does not have the power to tax for stem cell research because it's not delegated. How could the founding fathers have con conceived of stem cell research? I don't even know what it is myself. But anyway, it's a, 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 we're funding it. They could and they didn't. So there's another source of finding out how they can fund stem cell research. And if they didn't have the delegated, then Congress doesn't have it, but Congress has funded those. Congress must know that they have unlimited power. There's the key right there. Congress must know they have the power to legislate in all cases whatsoever. Congress must not tell the people. That's their obligation. We're not to be told this, and that's why I'm breaking this information. So just pay your taxes and pay your taxes and pay your taxes <laughs> and hope that they leave you enough to live on. So they've got power. They have the power to tax everything you earn. Wow. No, they don't. You voluntarily gave them that power. We talked about that last week. We did it under, well, we see what we covered. Benjamin Franklin, if I remember last week, we talked about he has uh, used words to deceive them to pause it for a moment. But the power, this is the power that they have, the power to legislate in all cases whatsoever. We, we discussed this in more detail, but we'll see how much I cover in the parts three and four. Let's keep going. But anyway, I want you to know that Benjamin Franklin wrote in his autobiography, in his own words, he admitted that they in government use words to deceive. Mm -hmm. And Ben Franklin signed both the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. This is the key we're going to be examining and we'll continue to examine for a while. All cases whatsoever. So the only the, the people that gave us this power was the Masons, the Order of the Quest, and or the Illuminati. All three of these groups were directly involved. Now the Constitution did grant unlimited power. Now we'll find that in the next words. Apparently I'm going to amplify. There it is. I will bring you to, the, to your attention this man, Howard Freeman, a great constitutional authority. He's, uh, he's gone now, but I met him on the lecture circuit several times. We used to sit down and talk about the Constitution. He's, he was a great knowledgeable. But anyway, he came to Tucson, Arizona several years ago, many, probably 10 years ago, if not more. And we, I was invited by the man who brought him to go over, sit down with him in the living room. And Freeman then told us two stories. Now, hold on, America. We're going to listen to what this man's going to teach us. Howard Freeman. Unfortunately, he's gone. But boy, he lives on because he's I'm documenting. He was an expert witness in an income, income tax trial. A young man stopped paying his income taxes, and he pled not guilty. And he asked Howard Freeman to help him defend himself. Mm -hmm. So he was charged with willful failure to file. 
So Freeman's going to tell us how. And so Freeman was asked up after the Supreme, after the IRS laid its case. Freeman got up on the stand and he cited Supreme Court decisions in the federal court. Decisions were put into the court record so that he could use it again and others could use it. <laughs> and after the thing, the case was over, the judge, not this course of caricature, but uh, it could have been this guy. <laughs> the judge spoke to the jury as they were leaving to go fill out their, uh, fill out their, uh, you know, make their, reach their verdict. Well, listen to what he said. So they were, they were admonished. They were told by this judge to ignore the testimony of Howard Freeman. In other words, his whole testimony could be just thrown out. And that shocked Howard Freeman, who was an expert. He knew that they were standing. So he ran around the back and caught the judge going into the court, uh, his office. So he said, How, what authority do you have? You're a federal judge. What authority do you have to overturn standing Supreme Court decisions? And the judge said, well, let's see. You got to click it again, I think. Switch, yeah, very good. Thank you, David. Mm -hmm. There are standing decisions of the United States Supreme Court. You're a federal judge. And the judge said those were old decisions prior to 1938. That's what the judge told Freeman. Mm. And so he, Freeman said those are standing decisions. They have not been overturned, judge. I do not care how old they are. You have no right to overturn a standing decision, even though you're a federal judge. Standing Supreme Court decision in a district court. They're above you. So the judge said they all this happened prior to 1938. So Freeman says, what happened in 1938? Something changed. So he went said, what changed, Mr. Judge, in 1938? So you could overturn standing Supreme Court decisions. And the judge said, I've told you too much. I'm not going to tell you anything further. He walked into the office and shut the door and locked it, which meant conversation was over. But this was an amazing admission. Freeman got him to say that. Wow. So now let's finish. Scary. Yeah, this is. Hold on. We're not through. Wait till you hear. This is scary. I know that. But I said that in the first week. All of you people are on a jury. You've got to please be open. Listen. I know this is contrary to what you believe and never heard it before. And that's why I'm saying it. So there's the judge. He locked the door and walked in there. And of course, this wasn't the judge, but that's what is illustration of what happened. Now, you'll notice that all these uh, lawyers always stand in front of all of these uh, uh, books. And these are all the prior decisions, standing decisions of the Supreme Court. So when a, when a judge goes in there, he has to look through here to find a case that's already been ruled on, if there is one. And that's what these are for. Wow. So Freeman knew about this. He knew how to use these. So he went. I can't get, okay, I guess I'm clicking. There it is. So he went to, to a library and went back to 1938 and found the Erie Railroad versus Tompkins case heard in 1938. Oh boy, he found it. And there it is. That's what it looks like. It's right out of the page of Xerox, October term, 
meaning it, it ended in 38. Your railroad versus companies. There's all the details on how you find it. I'll list it right there. I think I'll, I have a slide showing you all that, although it's going to show very quickly. But you can go and find it in uh, the October term of the uh, 1938. It was heard. It was heard in uh, 37. Four. There's four paragraphs in the third paragraph. I'm sorry, four paragraphs, a summation before, I'm going to read the third one. There is no federal general common law. No common law. What is the common law? The common law is the Constitution, or was. Now, there's under the common law, you're only guilty if you damage somebody's property or injure another. That's what the common law does for you. If there's no damage or injured party, there's no no case, no nothing. You've got to damage someone or something under the common law of the Constitution. The Constitution is or was the common law. At least that's what we were taught. Mm -hmm. We're sorry that's wait, we're sorry that's not we're told we were taught, but it's not true and they know it. That's where we're going with this. So then he told us about another story. He met a retired state Supreme Court judge later on, and he called him over to his house and said, I want to talk to you, Mr. Freeman. And he said, I'm a Wyoming appointed, or he was appointed, he's from Wyoming, appointed while a federal judge, because he was now a, he was a retired justice, but he was once a federal judge and then appointed to the Supreme Court. And he told Freeman, there's only one condition, you are not to reveal my identity, because if you do, I can get into trouble. How can a retired justice get into trouble about talking about laws? So Freeman agreed. Well, I'll be happy to do that. Mm -hmm. I will not mention your name and the man trusted him. And wait till you hear this story. Hold on, America. He said, in 1938, all of us federal judges and U.S. attorneys were called together. This is what he told me. He's a retired justice. We're called together, 1938 into a secret meeting by Franklin, President Franklin Roosevelt in Washington, D.C. So my, this judge somehow got there on time, got a hotel room, I'm sure, because it's going to take a couple of days, maybe who knows, maybe an after, I don't know where it was. And Roosevelt appeared, and he told him this story. This is the gold certificate. Now hold on. we talk about this. There is a phrase on a gold certificate. Uh... I can't read that. Uh, anyway, this oh, this certifies that there is on deposit in some bank a hundred dollars in gold, payable to the bearer on demand. So this is the money that we used to carry up till 1938, 33. Mm -hmm. So we used mm -hmm. to carry gold certificates. You took your gold to the bank, they gave you a gold certificate. This is to here it is. This is to certify that there is on deposit in the treasury of USA, $100 in gold. Listen to this, payable to the bear on demand. You walk in with the paper, you walk out with the gold. You take it to a bank, you take that piece of paper in and say, I want gold, and the bank will give it to you. Wow on demand. You walk in, you walk out with gold. But in 1933, this man, President Roosevelt, 
suspended the gold redemption and called in all the gold certificates. You could no longer take it to the bank and get gold. When you took it to the bank, you got $100 in Federal Reserve notes. But this was a contract. We, you can do this on demand. There's no limit to that. No president can do it. It's not subject to the whim of a president. In other words, you walk in with a piece of paper, you walk out with gold. He was revoking a standing contract and he has no power to do it. That's it's right. payable right. on demand. The international bankers, this is what Roosevelt told us, the international bankers who own America's national debt have declared that the suspension of the redemption clause was an act of a bankrupt nation in 1938. The international bankers own America, he said. And they set the rules. Now, I don't think he said that. That's probably me. But he probably, but let me finish. He's going to tell us something. So the judges could no longer adjudicate cases on the Constitution. We are now in charge. We're the creditor and you're the debtor. You owe us money and we're telling you you're bankrupt and we're going to set the rules. We're going to from now on use the Uniform Commercial Code and we're going to abolish the Constitution. Hold on. The judges were required to take an oath of silent judicial notice. That's a legal term. You can find it in the Black's Law Dictionary. I'm going to put it in Epperson's uh, uh, Broken English. So hmm. you had to give silent judicial notice. You took an oath to do that. Only judges and presidents understand what that word means. We, the people, don't understand, but they did. And the judges cannot tell the dummies, which is you and I. The judges make it sound like the Constitution and their verdict, but they're ruling basing it on the judge never tell the American people. Oh, isn't that interesting? Wait till I show you evidence of this. Since 1938, they have succeeded. They continue to use the Uniform Commercial Code. Congress must know that they have unlimited power to do this. The Supreme Court just confirmed that they must not tell the American people, even the congressmen don't want you to know this. The Supreme Court doesn't want you to know this. The Constitution is null and void. Here we go, a new direction for America. Nancy Pelosi, I think this was Barack Obama's uh, slogan. Where do you get the authority to, to pass Obamacare and all these other things that they're forcing us into? Where do you get from the power to regulate interstate commerce, is what Nancy Pelosi said, which is bogus. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 reads, this is Article 1, the legislative branch, the power to regulate commerce among the several states. Obamacare is not among the several states. And, okay, if Congress had had this power since it was given to them, Why did they wait until 2009 to pass the legislation? Why didn't they pass Obamacare in 1787? Right. They didn't. They had to wait till 2009 to pass it. Don't remember, forget that old 
James Madison said the powers are few and defined in the legislative branch of government. This man is a tra was a traitor. He's one of the three. There, uh, this that's Madison, that's John Jay, and that's uh, Alexander Hamilton. And, and Hamilton's number twenty-two paper. The interfering regulations of some states have given just cause of complaint to other states. And it is to be feared that examples of this nature, not restrained by national control. So in other words, we've got to give the power for them would be multiplied till they became an injurious impediment to the intercourse between the different states. Georgia passed the law says, okay, protect commerce between the states. That's the purpose of Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. Protect commerce between states. Nothing to do with federal government forcing me to buy Obama. So Hillary, so Nancy Pelosi's lying and she knows. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they wait until 2009 to do this? Why didn't the founding fathers pass Obamacare? if they thought they had the power. They knew what interstate commerce was. Our founding fathers knew that. That's why they wrote the clause, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. Has America been plagued by frequent disputes about medical care? No. What state saying you can't visit in my state with your insurance or Obamacare can't do that? We've not experienced this. Not. We haven't had one state suing another over interstate commerce. It's not the Commerce Clause. So it's wrong. Nancy Pelosi knows that. She's lying to us. Hmm. Also, trips to the moon, space telescopes, space satellites, and stem cell research. Where's the power for those? It's not the Interstate Commerce Clause. Where'd they get? They weren't delegated. So, and then it's Legislation in all cases went away. That's the key word right there, all. The word all. We defined it last week as the entirety of all, including not restricted, everything. No limits. Congress cannot tell the dummies. Congressmen can't tell you this. I'm asking you from now on, ask congressmen, because our congressmen take silent judicial notice, like Nancy Pelosi just did. It's absurd to believe the Commerce Clause gives them this power. It does not. Pelosi was lying because she knows why it will likely pass. I guess I wrote this before it did. Maybe it did, right? Or maybe one of those others did. Mm -hmm. but, but this is the key. Once again, repeating this, you get used to the legislation in all cases. Last week, we examined it three different times. And now we'll see if we. See if maybe we can duplicate that to let you know if we didn't catch it last week. The power to do what we jolly well want to. The power to legislate in all cases. You can do what you want to. So Nancy Pelosi says we've got a new direction for America. We're going to use Article 1, Section 578 and pass laws and things and do things that you don't think they got the power. So she knows we got the broad power to do whatever she wants. She Nancy passed got us to pass. Um, third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, tried to warn us, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on, let's read this. Third president, 
listen to this. Here's uh, she. She's going to talk. He's going to talk about her liberal interpretation of the Commerce Clause. Free government is founded in jealousy and not in confidence. It is jealousy which prescribes limited constitutions to bind, bind down those who you are obliged to trust with power. And our Constitution has accordingly fixed the limits to it. And no further confidence go. Oh, yeah, we're going to see that's not. In question of power, then, let no more be seen of confidence in man, but bind him down from mischief like Obamacare by the change of the Constitution. He warned us, and they wouldn't listen. He was a champion of delegated powers and only delegated powers, and the power to legislate in all cases was not in his vision of this world. Or to bind or down the change of the Constitution. But we didn't see the status our commerce to pass. Jefferson was in opposition to Madison. I'll show you why as we continue. We allow her to extend power to legislate in all cases whatsoever. There will be a direction in America, not the old one that we've been living under, under the additional limits that I'm right, and Jefferson is right, and Madison was wrong, and the Constitution's wrong. Here's a letter written to me by, a, I think this is a letter by an attorney, 2009. I got this in the mail. Uh, I will not name. Oh, I will not name the writer of this letter. This attorney who wants to protect his privacy. But let me read what he said. He said he responds to a talk show that I gave about that time. He listened to me as an attorney and said, "Wait a minute. I want to write to Epperson and get this letter. Going to read it. Uh, he wrote to me and say, "I got you. Got I got to talk." to discuss the uniform He did not know what that was. I am an attorney and I have been practicing 14 years as the attorney right now. And I am licensed in three states. This guy knows what he's talking about. And we're blessed with the opportunity to be involved in cases all over the United States. This guy knows. I enjoy and applaud your work. That's something that we I've come to the same conclusions on most issues so far, and to some degree I'm still working on. Okay, thank you. I've heard the argument many times. Okay, that there is a big secret underlying the modern court system. Oh boy, he's working on it, which is actually a uniform tribunal court. And the lawyers and judges guard the secret, he said, like they were part of some secret society. Well, there some of them are. And that if you say the magic words or indicate that you know the secret, the judges and lawyers will know that you are on to their big secret and you will be given special treatment. And once we tell the truth, 
it is no longer a big secret. That's what I'm doing. I'm making it secret so it's no longer a big what more evidence that prosecution is null and void? Hold on, we're going to get into this next, I guess. Barack Obama said, change, we can believe in change. We're going to change the government. Barack Obama and his mother, there's little Barack Obama's mother. I believe this is his real mother. And there's some people believe it's his real father. This is Obama. Anyway, in any event, Barack Obama was born in Kenya right here. That's Barack Obama visiting his family in Kenya. These people are natives to the country of that Barack Obama, red red and these are his um, half half nephew, and that's his grandmother, Barack Obama by his grandmother. So this is Grandma going to talk about, and this is Barack Obama's half sister, which means that that's her grandma, her grandmother as well. These are other relatives of. Obama, or where they're called, family. This is the real problem. Barack Obama, right there. No Barack, baby. The Constitution says this about the Patriots. Article 2, Section 1. Okay, no person except a natural born citizen, natural born citizen, shall be eligible to the office of. You gotta be natural born. What does that mean? Born inside the United States. Right. Barack right. Obama, yeah. Well, I'm prove Barack Obama could not have become. If you're born as a citizen of Kenya, you can't become president. Mm -hmm. You are not natural born. You cannot become if you're born in Kenya. Philip Berg was an attorney in the year 2008. He's challenging this. I got to talk to him on a talk show. I think the next year. This guy was trying. He actually got to the Supreme Court with this issue. But old Ralphie, uh, I got to make a says call him on a talk show in January 2009. So maybe six or eight months after this guy got to the Supreme Court, waiting for a decision. So I tried to warn him. I said, thank you for what you're doing to him. We're in the blue, I think. Mm -hmm. So thank you for trying. The Supreme Court will never hear, will never get an answer. I told you, you're not going to get an answer, Mr. Byrd. The Constitution is not void and has been since 1938. The Supreme Court can rule any way they want to, I guess. Of the Constitution's requirement, because the court has taken silent action. I tried to get him to vote. He's in a smoking to the Supreme Court. Know what this means? Supreme Court, December 20, 2009, had no opinion about Barack Obama being not legally born in the United States and could become president. Just like I predicted, they wouldn't give you so. This was afterwards. Barack Obama became president, even though he couldn't become. A further evidence that the Constitution is all void. That's the Supreme Court building back before. There's a bunch of people down there. I can't tell you how big, impressive this building is. For the Supreme Court knows that the Constitution is null and void, as I'm going to prove, because they're taking silent judicial notice of the fact, even 30, 20, 60 years later. 
They'll never issue an opinion on Philip Bergen. They never have it. They never will. Because we, they know we're under the Uniform Commercial Code. They're going to make us believe. And that's called the law of contract. The two-party contracts are both parties have to agree. That's why we got the social security card. We voluntarily volunteered for it. Voluntarily became a citizen of the most powerful government. They cannot force us into a contract. No one can. I tried to sell David my, uh, okay, I'll, I'll put them in. It's tried to start null and void. If I force you to sign a contract, it's null and void on a cent, and I can get you thrown in jail. That's a violation. Because forcing someone into a contract is involuntary servitude, prohibited by the 13th Amendment. We read that last week. Yep. It's yep. a violation of the Uniform Commercial Code as well. If you both don't agree, and one's forcing your violation of the UCC, we had to sign the contract to get our social security card. There was one other option, told you. you could, we were asked, are you a citizen of the United States? But we had, we thought we had to. We're, under, we're underneath the color of law. If we think there's a law, we're underneath it because it sounds like an act of law. It acts like a law. It's like a law, but it's no law. That's what we think about social security. Congress has power to make us believe there's a law like security. And that's what they've done. There's no law. No law. How this works. We'll see. I, don't, I didn't review. I didn't have time. Here's a brief review of this whole subject about this uh, uh, contract, UCC. Let's see what it says. Okay, a brief cover as in a story. I'm doing this as a story. I'm not trying to tell you not to pay taxes. Get out of your card or don't pay it, whatever. I'm going to do this as an historian. I'm going to give you facts, evidence that the Constitution is one of the UCC. There is no law to get into Social Security. I ask you to find it. You have children who are going to go get a card, have them ask the Social Security Administration, show me the law. It is a voluntary act. Voluntary. It means you're not forced. They can't push their 13th Amendment. You have to get a card, which is what we thought. We were told, but no, you don't have to get a card. It's voluntary. Hmm. So show me the law from now on. If you're in, please don't stop paying. Don't do that. No one has. There is no law. The, the law does not exist. This is from, I'm a citizen of the honorary citizen of the state of Missouri, called the Shelby State. I'm asking you to become a citizen of Missouri as well, volunteering. Provide me with some evidence that there's a law. Show me. Be a citizen of Missouri. We have some evidence that there is a law. I think that's what's next. Some evidence. There's two letters. Yeah, I do show you. Here are the two letters. I think I covered them last time as well, but maybe not. Social Security, uh, there it is. Social Security Administration does not require that you have a social security number. I think I'll show you that in, in a little bit of a Okay, well, here it is. The Social Security Administration does not require that you have a social security number. You can issue a number to you only if you submit an application showing identifying information and if you submit an age, identity, and citizenship. So Congress passed House Bill number something in 1935 required all Americans to Social security. That's what we think. But there is. 
if it was a law, show me the law. There's another copyright from 1986. These are both old, but it doesn't matter. We're still under the same as Social Security Administration. There's a Social Security is a voluntary system, and that no one is required to get a number. They put it in writing. The Social Administration is voluntary. No one's required. It says it right there. It's voluntary because of the 13th Amendment. We do not have to volunteer. So we don't have to get a car. Huh. Yeah, it's true. It's in their own writing, letters, two of them. Once we get a number, we have to use it. That's signed the contract. So someplace after we got this thing, we were, okay, there's only two ways to get a, to get a social security. A naturalized citizen or subject to the government. They're citizens of the United States and they have to get a car. So we're not a naturalized citizen unless you are subject to the government. We'll cover that in a minute. You can be a naturalized citizen to get a car, or you can be a citizen of the United States and get a born there in Washington, D.C. So now, that's basically the coverage that we're duplicating stuff we covered the last week. You know, we just remember those two letters. And if you want it, okay, and hold on. Show you some hidden symbols in the Great Seal. This is a half of it. This is the one we're all used to, the eagle side. Um, Okay, I guess I talk about the fact that when you do, if you count the feathers in this feather, this is his left wing, there's 32 feathers in there if you count them. And if you count the feathers in this, his right wing, there's 33. Was that a mistake? No. No, I don't think so. The artist didn't make a mistake. Okay, I'm sorry, this I didn't get to advance. 32 and 33 are in feathers. Symbols. We don't. Who counts the feathers? Not a coincidence. It's not an error by the artist. I'll tell you why. There's 33 in the right wing and 32 in its left wing, and there's a reason for that. I think I'll show you a slide. I don't know if it's not on pause. Okay, I gotta know. If you don't know about the Masons, uh, you don't know about American history. I'll do this again because we covered it last uh, two hours. You know, last week. If you join the Masons, you join into what they call the Blue Lodge. There's a total of three degrees, one, two, three. And you can stop right there forever and ever. You're called a Master Mason. Master Mason. If you want to go on, there's 29 more degrees. 29 plus three is 32. And York Wright has three plus 10 for a total of 13. And then there's above it a 33rd degree, which is honorary. You can you this is all you do this on your if you want to become a master mason, you go through three degrees. If you want to 32nd, you go through 29 more. And that's where you're stopped. You can't become a 33rd unless you're invited. Except in the York Rights 10 degrees. I can't get it to there it is. Okay, so now we got a little understanding of the Masonic Lodge. 32 degrees in the lodge and 13 in the York Rite. By the way, I don't know much about the York Rite. You can't find out much about it. I know some things, somebody will put a DVD out on it, sure what I know. But I don't think they matter. This is the one that matters. That's the one that matters. 33rd degree. Okay, but it's, remember, it's honorary. You're invited into that. Okay, let's right. go back.
Okay, what's the next? There it is. It appears that the 33rd degree runs worldwide, Mason. That's how important the 33rd degree is. You got to be invited into that degree. So there, that's where I think the power is. And that's why there's 33 feathers in the right way. And notice which way the bird's looking. To the right, the right wing. 33 feathers, only 32. The implication is that the 33rd degree runs the United States. And at least I'll concede so far that I think the CF, the, the Masons run this nation even today. Far more important than the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, or the Trilateral Commission, or the. Okay. Now, there's been, there was a debate amongst our founding fathers at the very beginning. See what it is. But remember that this, oh, here it is. They were debating whether we should name the wild turkey or the bald eagle for the. Uh, for the bird of the national bird of the United States. So Franklin favored that. The eagle was always intended to be our national bird. So the debate was a ruse. Once again, they, they threw it out to us, made us think we're debating and we're going to decide and let the majority rule. So they said the eagle was, but it was intended to be our national bird for the following reasons. Huh. Well, you hold on, there's no argument. And we're going to see. We're going to, I think that's next. We're going to examine. I'm going to read six quotes on the eagle itself. This is just a bird. Written by Mason. Also, no, I don't I don't footnote them because they're just putting you read yourself, but just think about it because I'll end. The eagle is a symbol of initiation into the Masons. The eagle is a great antiquity, of a great antiquity, a symbol of the sun. The sun, the sun of the eagle was sacred to the sun. The eagle was a bird consecrated to the sun. The eagle represented the Egyptian sun god Amun Ra. Wow. Yeah, hold on. We're not finished yet. The eagle can, here's the reason why the eagle can look directly into the sun without going blind. If you and I do that for a time, we go sun. If a human looks into the sun, we go blind. But the eagle apparently, at least that's what they claim, doesn't go blind. The eagle can look directly into the sun without going blind. And that's the reason they named it, because it's an intermediate between us and the sun god, the eagle. The eagle can get to the sun and man cannot. We need an intermediate, and it's the eagle. That's why it's on our uh, great seal of the United States. That's incredible. Two and 33 feathers. But we're not through with the eagle. We've got more to talk about. I think we'll see. Isn't that interesting? The yes, sun god of America's past. Boy, that opens up a thing that we need to talk about later when we get ready about where, why we worship the sun. Do Americans know what the symbols mean on the back of our dollar bill? I bet that's true even right now. I've been making it public since 1985. Their numbers 32 and 33 are very significant to the Masons. I'm going to show that to you because the 32nd degree stops, and then the 33rd runs worldwide. Now, here's the uh, you know, emblem of the Russian government, USSR, the old Russian government. Notice there's, looks like a sun, and there's 32 rays sticking up. 32 plus 1 is how many? David, please uh, get your calculator out, David. 32. 33. <laughs> you did that without your calculator. 32 plus 3. There's the Earth. Later on, we'll talk about that. And this, this looks like a uh, Oh, yeah, hold on, we'll cover that in a minute. Semicircles, 30 plus the sun, 
plus 32 equals 33. That's not a coincidence. In Russia, what's that got to do with Russia? Everything. Russia is run by the nations as well. Oh, I don't believe that, Ralph. Oh, boy. I got a lot of work to do to convince you of that. The semicircle of the sun plus 32 equals, here's the United Nations. Now, notice it's divided. Four, four, four times eight is 32. And there's semicircle, the circle, it's broken by the lamp, but they drew it in. 32 plus one is how many? 33. How many? 33. And there's 13 leaves over here and 13 leaves over there. Don't count these because they're not leaves. This is just making something. So 32 plus one is 33 in the United Nations circle. Isn't that interesting? We don't count, look at that either, do we? The United Nations is run. At least they got a 30 symbol that's got 33 in it, like the Masons are somehow involved with the United Nations. Hold on, we're not finished. 32 plus one. And David got away with that. Only took him about five seconds to figure that out. 32 and 33 is concealed in the United Nations symbols. I'm sure I got a couple of more to show you. We'll see. Connection between 13 and 33. Hold on, we'll do this. There's a connection between. The way in America used feet, and the English and others used the metric system. We were supposed to go on the metric system, but people wisely decided not to. So here's a ruler. Now, by the way, I, I don't have the skills, but 13 is equal to 33. There's 33 right there. And I, I did the best I could to make these the same size. But 33 is equal to 13 inches. The wow. metric system was created by the Masons after the 1789 French Revolution. And they wanted a, that was the connection to show you that there was a connection between 13 and 33. And also the French Masonic Lodge that caused the French Revolution of 1789. If you don't know the Masons, you don't know past history. The Blue Lodge, here's the, here's the first, the first is called an entered apprentice, first degree, second degree, telegraph, third degree, master mason. We're going to look at this letter, this word, these two words right here. Master mason, put it in that font for a reason, it doesn't matter, it's an M, that's an M. And we're going to look at those two M's in a minute. Master mason is a third degree, every third degree Blue Lodge mason. So there's concealed inside, 33 is concealed inside the two words master mason. The letter M is the 13th letter of the alphabet. Well, isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah, hold on. Master, there's a, there's a uh, M and there's an M. You turn sideways, put them out here by themselves. And there we have 33. M, M sideways is 33. Isn't that an interesting that, Yeah, but isn't that interesting? That's why I did it that way to clearly show you. An M turned sideways is the letter of the number three. And that's done by design. And we're huh. not finished. I got one more to show you. Disney was a Mason. Walt Disney. There's little Mickey Mouse. There's Walt Disney standing. He's the entrance, the statues you go into. There's the big uh, uh, the Queen's tent, uh, temple or the flower, whatever you call it. The castle. They've admitted he's at least a 32nd. There he is, right there. Walt Disney was a. Now let's connect Walt Disney and the word Mickey Mouse. Let's do that. Mickey Mouse, M, M again, 13th letter of the alphabet. Let's turn this one side, this word sideways. And what do we get? 
Mickey Mouse gets us a 33 as well. Is huh. it one, two, three, four, five, six, six letters in Master and six letters in Mickey, five letters in Mason, and five letters in Mouse? Isn't that an interesting coincidence? Huh. Yes, it is. It's telling us something, isn't it? Walt yeah. Disney was a major player in the Mason. It's just another strange coincidence. I'm sure Mickey Mouse was the first character. The Masons have been getting a lot of bad press recently. I'll tell you why. I think all those things I say here. A lot of bad press. Disney Studios released two movies, and they gave favorable images to the Masons in the two movies. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? National Treasure's Nicholas Cage came out, I think I'll show you the year, ten years, whatever years ago. And there's the other one called National Treasure Book of Secrets. And there's Cage once again. It was all about the Masons and the symbols. Oh, here we go. There's the Security Council meeting in the various nations. And a countless row of circles of lights right there. And there's just by coincidence 32 plus one. The circle means 33. Above all of these people sitting there in a big circle, the Security Council, 32 and one is 33. Isn't that interesting? Huh. The Olympic torch is 32 inches long. There it is. And they, they plus the flame, so it would be total 33. So isn't that interesting? They could have made it 36 inches or 12 inches or nothing carrying your hand. I don't know, but they made I think they did it intentionally for the following reason. Greek actresses dressed as high priestesses go through dress rehearsal for the lighting of the flame of Olympia. Greek actresses dressed as high priestesses go through a dress rehearsal for the lighting of the flame of Olympia. This is on top of Olympia where the Greek gods live. So they're lighting a flame on the on the Olympic on the Olympic. Okay, the sun god lights the first torch, and that was a round circle which heats it up and focuses it on to the torch is lighted and then so once again 32 and 33 significant information and wow. that's only a part of the numbers I've discovered of the connection between 13 32 and 33 amazing oh well here we go here's a uh, this is a Quetzalcoatl coming out of heaven going down a ladder of 32 rungs I don't know when this was from tree got 1200 AD. I colored in two of the gods up there because that's supposed to be heaven, I guess. And 32 ladders. Quetzalcoatl came to the earth down this ladder. He's the sun god. I think the Aztecs did. It's the 32 plus the ladder. So now let's, so there's 33. Now I said that this sun god is, a, is an image of Ringo Starr because he was worshipped as a god way before he was born. But I think that's Ringo Starr. As a god worshipped by the Toltecs or the Aztecs, wherever it was. So I think there's a similar. That's supposed to be funny, David. No, people don't think that's funny. I should make fun of Ringo Starr, but that's it right there. Like yeah, it does. Oh, there's a, a, a sun shield, and there's a, the round sun, and there's 32 divisions, 32 rays plus the circle equals 33. That, that, that 32 plus the circle is 33. Which meant the Aztec and the Indians, or whoever made this in, in Latin America, knew that what the symbolism of 33 is. Daniel Morris invented the Morse code. There's a picture of him right there. Daniel Morris uh, invented the, the dot as one dot, and the dash is you wait to do anything. 
were a total of three uh, uh, three dots. So the Morse code, you press that down once for one dot, and then you hold it for three dots, and then make the next letter. So we're going to see, that's a blurry pitch, the best I can find. But that's how you make the Morse code. Click, 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 click. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Here's the word for Lucifer, founded in 1842. Lucifer's got three dots in one dash, two and one, two and two, 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 three and one, one dot three. There's 15 dots there, and three, uh, uh, six, each got three dots. So there's uh, six, six dot, six letters in the word, no. Oh, there's, okay, that's right, six, 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 six uh, spaces, a dot is equal to three dots, three, what's the word, I use spaces for the, and so you take six times three is 18, plus the five letter, whatever it was, equals 33. That's not a coincidence in the, in the letters, Lucifer. So it's not a strange coincidence. Wow. She knew what he was doing in the Morse code. I think I'll tell you why in a minute here. Hold on, let's see. Let's see, uh, I found out. Okay, now it's, yeah, I think Morse was a Mason. I, I don't say that here. I think it's said up there. I'm sorry, the 13th symbol. This is, came out of their New Age magazine in 1960. Masonic symbols. 13s over and over and over and over again. And there's even 32 feathers. Wow. wow. There it is. Masonic symbols. Masonic symbols. The number 13 is a symbol in the $1 bill. 13 leaves, 13 bars, 13 feathers, 13 ends, etc. We look at that. I think I'll show you a picture of the eagle side of the great silver of the United States. Wow. Yeah. 13 leaves, 13 stripes and bars, 13 arrows, 13 layers of stone in the pyramid. So these are the salt important to the Masons. I'll show you that. I think in two minutes that the Masons designed all this. If not, I'll pause it and tell you how I know. 13 leaves, bars and stripes, arrows, stars and stripes. That number's Symbolic, symbolic to the Masons. Hmm. They did this for reasons. Of course, everyone says there were 13 states in the original Union. That's true. That could be the that's their cover. So they were going to wait for 13 states, not 12 or 14, to form the Union. I don't think so. They waited until there were 13 before they formed the Union, not 12 or 14, or 11, or 6 or 7, 15, whatever. They, they, they froze it at 13. No more new states. So 13 numbers symbolic to the Mason. I'll see how that's significant in a minute. I'm talking here because I, I covered it in notes. I'm, I'm reading a prepared script. Oh, here's the American Eagle. Let's count the piece back here. One, two, I think there's 12 or 13 right there. They all have. This is a picture of magnificent bird. Thirteen letters. American eagle. That's thirteen. That's another reason we named it the uh, national bird. The word, the words to the American eagle have thirteen letters. E pluribus unum on our dollar bill means one out of many. That's thirteen letters. In. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, our founding father. And you accept there's usually an e. So I think if you count the E as two letters, there's 13 letters. But if not, there's 13 in this in this uh, rendition. One, two, okay. Now I put the void on there. There's 13 A's 
on the front of the dollar bill. Uh, one, uh, two, three, et cetera. There's 13 of them in the front. There's 13, I already said, there's 13 courses of stone in the pyramid, symbolic. In God we trust has 13 letters in it. So there's, in God we trust is 12 plus the one equals 13 symbolically on the dollar bill. Uh, 13 examples of the number 13. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to, I'm, I'm guessing what I probably said it, but I don't know what it was. I put the word void. The number 33, 33 degrees in masonry, once again, so this is important. I've shown you some examples. By the way, what you see is, uh, I, I did this originally, they've added to it, just why it's somewhat out of time. Okay, United States of America is 24 letters, $1 is nine letters for a total of 24, nine is 33 in the front of the face of our dollar bill. In God, oh, here, count this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then you count these and there's 11 shadows plus in God we trust is 12, so nine plus 11 plus 12 plus one equals 33. Well, oh, even that's by it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Nine plus eleven plus twelve equals and one equals two. The Masons have concealed their involvement, obviously, in our founding of this nation. And I'm saying, if you don't know the Masons, only a few Americans know the true meaning of all of those symbols. I dare admit it's probably one in a hundred, if that. Oh, here's a flag used by. This was just became a nuisance with all these uh, progressive and appeal to God and don't tread on me. We'll cover that in a minute. I think later, but let's count these letters. I think there's 13 there and we'll put a, a slide up, I think. Don't tread on me, has 13. We don't have counting credit. It's an apostrophe, whatever it is. So let's see. Okay, okay, there it was. Let's go back that. There were those two words, words together have 13 letters in each one. Now let's talk about that evergreen tree. An appeal, oh, there it is, an appeal to God, don't tread on these 13. Oh, the words evergreen tree have 13 letters as well. That's why the, the, the evergreen tree is on that uh, flag. Those two words have 13 letters in it. Huh. An appeal to God, don't tread on me, has 13 letters. Huh. July the 4th has 13 letters on it. Oh boy, hold on, America, this is not going to be fun. 13 letters on July the 4th. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Four, three, seven, plus six, the year 17, we have to, just the last two letters, numbers rather, seven plus six equals total seven. You could argue this one, because this is 1776, but at least those two, they might have picked that year as well, do it because their total is 13. 1776 plus 13 gets to 1789, and that's when we created our first government. We had no even under the, uh, the Constitution, they waited for two years. So that was 13. Washington and Mason plus 12 generals equals 13. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> 13 people worked on the great seal of the United States. Isn't that interesting? 13. The United States Navy had 13 original ships, 13, uh, 13 controlling set up in the US Navy, and they had 13 ships by coincidence. Go oh, here, there's the states, 13 stars on the Confederate flag. Three, three plus four is 12 plus one, 13. So let's talk about the Confederate flag. 
13 stars, flag. So now let's talking about it, I guess, in more detail. I don't remember what I said. But let's just count the stars. There's 13 on an X. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I just heard 1863. Now, you cannot argue that they're waiting for two more states to join them because there were 11 states seceded. And they, this flag was designed in 1863, halfway between the war. In other words, they were not, if they were going to count the stars, they should have had 11 here. But they put 13 in there to show us, I believe, somehow that the Masons were involved in the Confederacy as well. Isn't that interesting? It is. 13 stars in the Confederate flag. Wow. Star for each state. 11 states started the war, 11 states finished there. In the, in the South, obviously. Mm -hmm. Involvement of the Masons in the Civil War. There's other stuff to cover, I guess, what this is about. Involvement of, maybe that makes people dizzy. Maybe I should stop that. Here's the 30, there's the map of the United States. There's the 33rd degree northern latitude right there, all the way across. goes from starts in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, there's a 33rd degree on the northern part of the equator and 33rd degree of the southern. But this one is of no consequence to America, at least, the 33rd degree. Northern latitude is a very important one, as we're going to see. There it is. Starts in Charleston, South Carolina, right there. 33rd goes across. There's, we're going to cover that. Charleston, South Carolina is where they formed their first 33rd degree council. Started in Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina was where the Fort Sumter was fired upon. I think this, this is an opinion. This was to let them know, baby, the Masons are in charge. We're going to attack. Another coincidence. Charleston was where the first battle of the Civil War was fought. The South fired on Charleston, the fort in Charleston, South Carolina. Just another coincidence, I'm sure. Hmm. Okay, hold on. We're still, oh, there's the book, Morals and Dogma, page 313. Let's read that and see what that is. I think I'm going to, Albert Pike wrote, we hatch no premature, pre pre premature revolution. We don't hatch from premature. We don't hatch revolutions unless it's a little practice. If it's premature, we don't hatch uh, revolutions. So we don't, we hatch revolutions when the time is right. See, that's what we do. We don't hatch premature revolutions. We wait till the time is right. That's what he just said. But once again, we don't pay attention to the premature. So they are, they revolution, Masons are not involved. They ended in bringing about the French Revolution of 1789. The Masons directly did, and the Illuminati. So the French Revolution was not the peasants' uprising. It was the Illuminati and the... Okay, here we go. 13 letters in the United Nations. What? 13 letters in those two words? Well, come on. That building was built on... Donated on rocks. Oh, here we go. 13 scallops in the... In the I guess it's a shell, seashell or something. 13 scallops in there. There are several of these in the White... This is the White House. The president hangs out, and he's got probably, I don't know, he didn't count tonight, maybe 32 books, I don't know, but notice 13 right there. Inside, everybody walks in there can see this. The reminder, the masons are hovering over. We're in charge, baby. Don't forget, 
First Russian hired Pierre Charles Land Fox. Hold on, where do you want to see this? This guy was a was a, a, a colonel, I think, in uh, his as the group that he had around so he was a Frenchman who came to help uh, George Washington as a fellow Mason. Uh, he was a major, I guess, in the French Army. So now here's the Square of the Compass. This is a Masonic Lodge. We'll talk about the G later. So there's a ruler, cool, and that. And this compass is a, a compass. You stick that in and circle this. You can form circles all day long, as long as you want. So that's the Square. G stands for Gnosis which means the knowledge of the true God, not the knowledge of the God of the God, the true God. They believe there's another God. He's the real true God. That's what the G stands for. Not God, not government, not a jump tree. It stands for Gnosis. We define it as knowledge of the true God. So they worship a different God. Now I turn the symbol sideways. There's the same that you spoke by turning sideways. So there it is, turned sideways, the scroll of the compass. There's a major symbol. That's the way you know that they're facing. If he's got surrounded, you know he's a mason on his ring or his car, whatever it is. There's the circle and the scroll right there on the right of that hmm. Now, these roads are not built in, I admit. You have to if you draw the continuation, it forms a 90 degree angle. So this street was placed to there, and this street was placed to there, and they concealed this. But notice the compass is 100%. If you once again conceal this, they didn't leave it a circle. They put all this fancy stuff, and then they put squares and compasses all over the crumbling cookie. They're everywhere. Squares and compasses. Laying fun, laid out the city. He's the one that was responsible for laying out all these. Here's George Washington laying out the cornerstone, 1793. The White House building, and there's a Masonic apron, and all these men are masons. So they're laying out the roof, the masons laid out the White House. Not the people of America, not the civic group called the Kalanas uh, or wherever it was. The Mason or Congress didn't do it. Here's Strom Thurmond at 3033, the 100th anniversary of the laying of that thing, laying another cornerstone with the square in the compass on. Because Strom Thurmond's a 33rd degree mason. Hmm. Right there, he's putting, you'll see what it is in a minute, I think. But there he's laying the cornerstone. The world will soon come to us. This is what Albert Pike wrote. The world will soon come to us in either of Mason's mm -hmm. or it's sovereigns and pontiff. Sovereigns mean government official and pontiffs mean priests and rabbis and, uh, and leaders of our we shall be the rulers over the masters of the world, be the Masons. This is what Pike wrote in 1879. We shall be the rulers over the masters of the world. That should tell us an awful lot. America's been coming to the Masons for over 200 years. What is that telling us? They seem to be in charge here, at least partially. And that is part three. I'm going to pause this. If anyone in the, uh, we got a little over about an hour, so we got an hour to go, hopefully. If anyone's got a question or comment, please, Adam, do so. David, if you got a question or comment. Yeah, I, the number 33, when you pointed it out on the uh, the meridian across the United States, um, if you continue that, 
It goes well, I, and I don't want to step on All your right. toes. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, no. You're doing it to me again, David. I Go didn't on. do it yet. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, say it. Say it. What did you no, say? No, I was just going to say it. It goes over to Dallas, too, but it also goes over to Roswell, where that all that UFO stuff is, you know, it's like yeah. the UFO capital of the world, you know. it's it's a, That's another conspiracy we can it's talk about sometime. And there's some more in the show to come, and I think we're going to cover the second part. Mm-hmm. Hey, okay. another thing, Ralph, real quick is uh, – do you remember a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year ago, there there was a some re- really strange tidal action down in the southern hemisphere, where the ocean receded from South America, but they had giant waves in South Africa, and uh, and also in uh, Western um, South America, and I was looking at where that was. That was at the 33rd degree parallel, southern parallel. Oh my goodness! Wait, yeah. That's- that's right. I've never heard that. I'll be interesting to look into that. Yeah, check it out. It's I did an article on it. You could see it, but it's. Uh... By the way, just okay, I'll give you that, David. You've named three or two or three or whatever it was, but there's more. And wait till you find out what the others are, because you don't know that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm salivating here. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to continue? Yes, sir. There's. Hold for part four. Of course, that's the end of the part three. So I said hold for part four. And I think it showed, well, no, no, I have to put the put the, uh, the thing in there. Hold on. Okay, take your time. I think I do. Hold on. Oh, no, it's there right here. Go. But the Mason's Masonic involvement is not in there. Okay. So we've already covered. There's even more to come. So it's all, I thought it was, okay, 13 times 13, David. Really, you figured that. I was 169. Let's look at that. 13, 1776, the year that we found in our, our nation, plus 169, takes us back to 1607, which is when the pilgrims showed up. That's a good sign because this is when our nation gave this. Okay, now if you take 1776 plus 169, you get 1945, the end of World War II, and the fact that President Harry Truman dropped two atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The Truman did not have to drop the bombs because Japan was trying to surrender. Now, people don't know that, but Ralph Epperson knew about it in 1973. I covered it in my book, The Unseen Hand. I documented they were trying to surrender, and Truman knew that, but he dropped the bombs anyway. Why? Number of days between July the 4th, 1945, and August the 6th, 1945, just happens to be 33. This is when we dropped the first bomb. So take that figure, July the 4th plus 33 days total. There it is, August. Also the year, August 8th, six days, 1945 total, 33. Sounds like the Masons wow. dropped the bombs, Harry Truman was a 32nd degree Mason when he dropped the bombs and then became a 33rd Mason later. Why? He was invited into the 33rd because he actually did something. I'm going to show you in a minute. Very significant to the Masons. Harry Truman, President of the United States, became a 33rd as President. Oh, here's the Ku Klux Klan. I covered this before. Founded in 1867. By the way, there's a, a, the 13 as well. K is the 11th letter 
David, how much is 11 times 3? How much, David, quickly? 33, 33. Oh, my God, is that a coincidence? Ku Klux Klan, KKK. Was that possible that the Masons were involved in this as well? Yes. World War One ended on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month. We're told of 33. What does that tell you? That's just an amazing coincidence. And this was the result of Amazon. The discovery, all these things, what they call them, landing at Kennedy Space Center, runway number 33. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? Yeah. It could yeah. have been number, many of the NASA astronauts are Masons. Let's talk about that next. There's 33 balloons in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, 33, never changed. Indianapolis 500 has 33 cars at the very beginning of the race. Who are they honoring by that? Guess who? Why conspirators remember the number 33? Let's see if we can talk about that. I guess that's next. Why is it so so important? Here's the human backbone. There's 32 backbone. This is prepared by drawn for a chiropractor because he's going to show you. The human skull is attached to the 32, so it becomes the 33rd degree vertebrae. So the human skull would be the 33rd vertebrae. It's not a third vertebrae, but it's attached. Conspirators want to be totally free to determine for themselves how we're going to live our life, as we've been covering our way. So there, the 33 might stand for the ability to freely think on your own without any interference of government or religion. That's another story we have to cover. Partial corroboration of number 33 in the human skull. I'll show you this. Hmm. I think it's the next slide. Oh, there it is. This is the Padang people live in Indonesia. Those are 32 metal rings there. And of course, the head would become 33. And apparently, from what I researched, they never get more than 32. But it separates the woman further the mind from the rest of the body. They force her head up by putting rings when she... So I, I would guess, this a guess, that maybe the head is the 33rd, and the people remember the Bible that says it was Eve that bit of the apple first, and they're saying, we're going to separate separate that. That's a guess. I don't know. So they're saying, we're going to separate uh, 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 Eve from her, her head, well, the, the Padang women, 33, 32 rungs in the head becomes 33. Wow. But once it gets a coincidence. It's worldwide. So this might be one of the reasons why they refer the number 33. It's the, the skull is the, the head of the uh, third of the column. Babylon is right underneath the 33rd degree northern latitude. Babylon, the home of the ancient mystery religion. It's in Iraq or Iran or someplace. But I found out it's underneath the 33rd. The same one that goes through Charleston, South Carolina. The 33 the latitude runs through Babylon right there, which is close. There's a 32, the 33 runs from that border of the 34th to the 32nd. So the real reason conspirators prefer the number 33, let's see what that is. I don't remember what it was. I'll do it from memory. Well, I'll do it from the, there certainly are other instances. Okay, that was, the I believe, the real reason, Babylon. Mm -hmm. There certainly are other instances of the three. These are all coincidences, so just be patient and laugh as we all do, because they're all coincidences. They don't mean a darn thing, number 33 or 30. There certainly are many, as we're going to see, but they're all coincidences, I just said. So 
So just bear with me. They're all coincidences, and we're going to count. The Masons are major players in the past, as we're starting to show you. We're going all the way back to the founding of this nation in uh, 1776. Here's a 33rd degree Mason, Manley P. Hall. One of his, a, he was invited into the 33rd, but he was a very prolific. Uh, he was a New Ager, believed in theosophy and all this New Age religion. Here's what he wrote. Masonry is the most powerful organization in the land, this 33rd. It is an ordainer of kings. Its hand is shaped the destinies of worlds. That's how important the Masons are, according to one of the major writers. The Masons' involvement in the nation's past. We've been talking about that. I guess there's some more. Washington, D.C., there's a square there. That's where Washington, D.C. is. This is a five-pointed star, and this is uh, turned over one point down. This is the way. So let's look at this. This is a five-pointed star as well, but it's turned down with one point down, one point up. We'll see what that means. Why is that significant? One down, one down, and one up. And this is the stars we're going to see on the flag. We'll one point up, one point down. There's the star. It's the star with one point down of the Eastern Star Masonry for Women. Women joined the Eastern Star. By the way, oh, there's a, there's the Eastern Star. On a, on a, this is a fez. I guess it's a, uh, worn by male members of the Shriners who become East, can become an Eastern Star as well. Because the, the, the women are not... Okay, here's a book. I'm going to skip over that. History of Freemasonry Concordant Orders published by 78 Masons in 1891, so this is old. But there's this, the sun showing there's illumination. William R. Singleton, a 33rd degree Mason, wrote a, a, a chapter of one of 70, and here's what he said, called the divine plan. Here's what it is, we're gonna read this thing here. This is page 49 of that book, written in 1891. We're gonna talk about, there's the Eastern star, there's the star with one down, and there's the star with one up. So let's read it. We're going to see what both of these things mean. Oh. This star, a star with five rays up, five stars represents God. God. So all together, either way, oh no, with it one point up, all that is pure, virtuous, and good. So the star with, okay, there it is, one point up when represented with one point upward. All that is virtuous, good, when turned down with one point down, hold on, it represents evil, right there, evil. All that is opposed to the good, pure, and virtuous. The Masons are admitting what that star means. It represents the goat of Mendes. Also, there it is, there's the goat of Mendes. This is the statues popping up all over America, but they want to show Satan. This is the goat of Mendes. There it is. By the way, he's got breasts, which means he's, it's a bilateral, not bilateral, but both male and female. So on page one, they have another copy of this, or another writer on page 101 of this book, written 18. When the star elevates two of its points, meaning one point down, it, two up, it represents Satan, 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 or the goat of the mysteries. Satan. So here's the White House. Right above it is a five-pointed star with down. That's north, and there's the 33rd degree temple, 13 blocks north. 
So there's a 547 1.9 right over the White House where they laid the, the, the uh, piece of the uh, cornerstone right there in the northeast corner. All the masons built the White House. And there's a 540 star just above. And there's the square compass over the uh, over the white. Uh, there it is. Now we're going to connect the number 13 to Satan. Okay, hold on. Oh no, this is fun, isn't it? There it yeah, is. Yeah, it is. And Dale. Well, the Commerce com Cosmic. 13 is the value assigned to represent Satan. That's only one of many ways Sandeo put in writing. There are 12 great religions in the world, and the 13th is common to all. And what's the 13th religion? It's common to all the other religions. 12 great religions, and 13th is common to all. That's, that God is Lucifer, Satan, the devil. So there's 13 religions. 12, 12, the 13th religion is the one that's common to all. So it's 12 plus 1 is 13. That God is Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Wow, that's interesting. Twelve have central have a concealed worship, as I'll start to show you. Every religion has a concealed worship of Satan. There, this is a good example. There's the uh, the uh, uh, Illuminati. Oh no, this is a worship a worship of Osiris, Egyptian sun god. There's there's uh, the, all these people who worship Lucifer, uh, worships Osiris. These people worship another god or no god or don't care, and then the circle inside worships Lucifer. And that's the secret that they're, this group is concealing from this group. So inside the worship of Osiris is a concealed worship. The adepts, princes, are they're called the adepts, princes are illuminated. They're the ones who know the real secret of the of the, 13th, the uh, worship of Satan and the devil inside hmm. the circle. Six, this is my opinion, six is the number of man, plus seven is the number of perfection. I think when you add those together, you get perfected man or the illuminated man. Notice six plus seven, man becomes perfect, and we call him then perfected man by the number 13. That's why I think they believe in it. Secret worship teaches that man can become perfect, and when he becomes perfect, he can evolve into Homo sapiens. Evolution teaches, now so hold on. Evolution teaches man, they believe the illuminated man has evolved to a higher level than that called Homo noeticus. The illumined, the word Greek is noetic, is Greek for the mind or the intellect. So 13 contains a secret meaning. It's the number 13 conceals the illuminated ones. 12 religions plus the illuminated ones. July the 4th, that was pointed out as 13 letters. Well, let me show you another connection. We declared our independence on that day. First Pope Gregory the 13th, by this might be coincidence, but he changed the calendar in 1582, this man right here is the Pope. And when the Pope spoke in the 13th century, the world listened. At least they set the course for the world. Mm -hmm. And then the English took the, you know, the calendar probably all over the globe. Just another coincidence, I'm sure. He changed the calendar, but what did it mean? The old calendar was 11 days behind the sun, which means that we couldn't count on anymore because as it kept advancing, it no longer was accurate in measuring. So when you plant your seeds, you were 11 days late, maybe they wouldn't grow because you were 11 days late. 
So the Pope decided to add 11 dates to the calendar. So on June 23rd, if you add 11 dates, you get July 4th. Exactly. Oh, wow. 23 plus 11 is July the 4th. Now, what's that? Why is that significant? June the 23rd is. Okay, let's see what I say here. There's an example. Here's the way the sun sets every night. Every night, you know, this is the horizon. And as it moves north, it gets to the South Australia, and then it, it here's Australia, and then it moves back again up here a year later. So there's a cycle. Every year it goes back and forth like this on the horizon. And that's the way they measured. They put stones out. There's now it's coming back on its way up to the top. And there's when it gets to the, to the equator or wherever it is. Now it's going back up to the top. And it'll get there in, in uh, uh, December. There's June. There's December. It's actually six months. I'm sorry. June the 24th is the day it sets, the first day it sets. June the 23rd is the summer solstice. It appears to have stopped. It lands, stops, and then takes off again. It starts moving south again on the next day. But it's there for about three days. But today it starts moving south. Now, why is that significant? Let me tell you why. I believe. There is the answer. This is a draw, of course, Maybe a drawing, or even a picture of the man celebrating June the 23rd, 24th by worshiping the sun because it did not die on those three days. 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, it actually stops. And they said the sun died on the 22nd. No, it didn't. Then the, the priest said the 23rd, listen, what you do is you worship me, worship me, and I'll bring it back. The Babylonians lit fires to Baal, the sun god, on what date? July the 4th or June the 23rd, and there now we're lighting skies, lighting stars in the skies for, for the sun god on July the 4th. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? The, the wow. Babylonians star fires on the ground to let the, star, the sun know it's time to come back, and it's time, and sure enough, we light fires in the sky. Now, of course, we do that more often now. Founding fathers concealed our holiday to the sun god on July the 4th. Another connection. In other words, things once thought unexplainable have an explanation. They just got to dig. That's me saying it. I've been saying it since 1973. The two circles constitute the, uh, it says the, hill here, the, the great seal of the United States. This is the one we're all familiar with. And there's the one. There's the, now we'll talk about this side, I guess. That's next. There's the great seal with the pyramid. Third, third degree Mason told us something about the Great Seal, the side of the left. He's going to tell us something. The eye above the pyramid represents the eye above it, the radiant emblem of the great architect of the universe. The great architect of the universe to the Mason is Lucifer. Yeah. It represents Satan. That star up there, according to the Masons, set this nation up, put that star there. The eye was also the symbol of Osiris, the sun god. Osiris, here he is, the sun and principle of good. Osiris was the chief god of the Egyptians. Osiris was the sun. And we've got an, an eye in honor of the great eye of the universe, the sun. So he's telling us that eye 
is the eye of Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the Egyptian sun god that we call Lucifer. Illuminated one. Yes, thank you. You know, interesting in our past is it gets connect the connection. The founding fathers knew what they were doing. That's my, I hate to say it, that's my, that's my uh, opinion. Mm -hmm. The founding fathers concealed it in the name of this nation. Let's look at that. I thought I'd be patriotic and show you stars and stripes and red and blue. Good job. After I used that beautiful font, it was deleted. <laughs> you can't use it anymore. <laughs> you're on a jury. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, all of you watching at this moment, if you're still with me, we're going to put you in one of these seats. You're going to listen to the Ralphie right there at the microphone. We're going to talk about things that you might not want to hear, but you're obligated because you're a jury member. You've got to be open, as you were taught by this statement in the Bible. Hold on. I think I'll give you a citation here in a minute. We'll see. Revelation 12, verse 9. That old serpent called the devil, Satan, was cast out into the earth. Chapter 12 of Revelation, verse 9. The cultures all over the earth have been worshiping the serpent for years, centuries, decades, thousands of years. And I want to give you some of the few that I found. It's worldwide, the worship of the serpent. The Illuminati, here's a book written by, uh, I forgot this name here, the New Age Movement, the Illuminati 666. He's got the star right there, of course, that the star of Osiris. The ancient Mayans in Mexico worshiped the serpent god under the name of Khan. Khan, Khan, that's the visual. Mayans worshiped the sun god under the name of Khan, Tan. Here we find the origin of our American word, candy, shrewd, or serpent-like. Babylonians worship can, con, pan, the serpent, and Val, the god of fire. The Romans combined the words into Vulcan, the Roman god of fire. Vulcan or Vulcan, from which comes our word volcano. This seems to be how the Mayans and the Mexicans named, named their gods. They combined, they too combined two words to describe their serpent god. Thus, cool, cool god means beautiful bird, cool, cool. Khan means bird serpent. The word khan means serpent in Mayan. This is the exact same meaning for Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl means a separate feathered serpent. The cosmic symbol for Quetzalcoatl was a feathered serpent. Now here's the drawing. This it says it's an Aztec, but it doesn't matter. It says the Aztec god. But notice what he's done. That's a real life snake. He's got it in his mouth, right behind the mouth, in the mouth. He's dancing with the skull and crossbones on his head. The snake god represents the Aztec god, Quetzalcoatl. So it's debatable which is Aztec or maybe both Mayans and the Aztecs. But the Aztec god was called Quetzalcoatl. He's a snake. Here's the Mayan god. Uh, that's the, uh, uh, oh, the protective genius of the Mayan empire. Is this? This is a soothsayer standing here behind it with other people, and she's sitting in front of there's an Amarillo or something here. So this is the this is the, uh, the uh, queen of the Mayans, and she's listening to the uh, the, the this prophet 
and there's the snake coiled, speaking, notice the mouth is open, here's the protective genius of the Mayan Empire. Where does the Mayan Empire get the genius from? From the source, the, the snake, the woman, who is the prophet, speaking, and there's the snake with the mouth, protective genius of the Mayan Empire, wow. snake with its mouth. This woman was prophesied to this, the queen or the wife or somebody, this particular, it's a little girl. And there's, I guess these are priestesses in the Mayan culture. So once again, hopefully I will not finish with the name of America. I want to warn you, something's coming, you might not want to listen. We're not through. Snake is the genius of the Mayan and also the animal. There's Prince Cole of the Mayan Prince. Uh, once again, behind him is the snake. I drew the green in there with serpent feathers, and his mouth is open speaking. And here he's got a shield with 13 stars. So he's got some symbolism, the number 13, plus the uh, snake behind him. He's a prince of the uh, of the uh, mind. So he's fighting battle with their shield, but the snake is going to protect him. Huh. And, uh, interesting, isn't it? We're not finished yet. America was named after America. Everybody knows this one. Well, come on. Don't, don't, tell, don't tell me something contrary. Everybody knows. It's been told every history book that's ever been written about America. We're named it Amerigo Vespucci. He was the, I think, the, 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 the guy. Okay, here's the book, New World Order by William Steele. Maybe some of you have read that book. Here's what he says in it The name America may be the product of societies. In the 1895 magazine called Lucifer. Whoa. It was a Theosophist magazine. James Price gave insight into the meaning of the word America. The supreme god of the Mayan culture was Quetzalcoatl. Okay? Mm -hmm. Elsewhere was known as Amaru in Peru. Amaru. Amaru's territory was known as Amaru or Amaru Ku. The word Ku means territory. According to from the Latin comes later comes the word America, meaning land of serpent. Well, maybe this is the adventure about America, isn't it? Yeah. Atlantis. Yeah. This book was written by I don't know who this guy was. It's a book on the land, so I found a quote from it. So I actually got a copy of the book and chased it down and found it. We're going to read a quote from that book. Atlantis about the mother of empires. Who knows? I don't know if it's true. I'm not going to argue really about that. I'm just going to talk about a comment that he made. Quetzalcoatl was known as Kukulkan amongst the Aztecs. So Quetzalcoatl, Kukulkan, and Amaru, the same god, the sun god. But all of these names have an identical meaning, the feather serpent. From the Peruvian name comes Amaraka. So I'm sorry. Well, listen, I, I'm going to I'm going to keep going only just because I don't, I thought it, I had a slide for that to explain a little bit further, but I'll keep going. This is a this is a picture of the uh, of the serpent inside the 33rd degree temple in Washington D.C. And notice this feather, this serpent has got feathers, which means he can fly. But notice above there we got this strange emblem called what? 
Is that a swastika right there? Yeah, right above the serpent is the swastika. But this is the feathered serpent. There's the swastika. There's two forms of it. One going this way, I think it is, and one going that way. This is the evil form. That's the good form. Notice which one Hitler, Hitler had to, knew the difference. Hitler picked that one. The evil form of the sun god. He picked the evil form, not the good form, so he knew what it was. Swastika. The symbol of the German Nazi party. Swastika. Lucifer right there. So mm -hmm. World War I killed 52, killed 53 million people. Led by the, the Satan flag, satanic flag, Lucifer flag of Lucifer and the swastika. See what you do with the game? We're not supposed to dig, Ralph. Don't dig. Why do you dig, Ralph? I don't know. I don't know. There, once again, the New World Order by William Stemmel. It's got a report, I think. Further identification. Let's read the second quote by Bill Steele. The continents, North America, South America, Latin America, Central so we're all America. The whole continent, Canada, Alaska, all the way down to Peru, wherever it is, we're all America. You could argue, and of course, we found that South America and Latin America got many direct connections. Now, here's a book called Manneville, 33rd Part 5, America's Disciple of Destiny. A third, he's the 33rd, Manly P. Hall. We're going to read that. Since the serpent is frequently a symbol of Lucifer, Lucifer is no exaggeration to extrapolate from this that America may well. Oh, yeah, I just said, hold on. Hold on. And uh, Lucifer. Oh, don't tell me that, Rob. I don't want to believe that. Yes. Wake up. I'm sorry. Yes. America was after Amaru, the feathered serpent god in Peru, Quetzalcoatl in Latin America, Kukukan in Latin America, and Amaru in Peru. Yes, I think. Now, wow. you can argue, come on. We all believe it was a big overspiritual. Maybe this is an option. I've showed you over and over again that America was taking after this with the Masons designed the same deal. Masons picked the names on the same stage. They picked only 13 to 32 years old. Maybe we are named after this. I'm telling you, first they put a bit on the on the great seal. This is the one, I'll show you in a minute. This our pyramid, the eye above is the symbol of Lucifer, Cyrus, right there, done here by the Mason, and Septus, Newell, they went into formation of the United States. Eagle has the, sorry, 32 feathers and 30. They declare independence on July 4th. It's a sun holiday concealed from the day of the sun. Great Kufu is involved as well. This is the one that was created way back in 13 or 1000 BC, four or 5,000 years old. Kufu will cover that in a minute. Great Pyramid Giza. Let's see how that fits. Here's a book called the uh, 
presentation of the Chartres Cathedral, published in 1972, starting a mind-opening investigation. Let's look at the cathedrals, uh, Catholics all over, over Europe, and especially some even in Here's the, uh, here's the uh, angle of inclination of this angle. That angle there may be better yet. This, angle. This, is, this is a side view, so it's not accurate. The angle of inclination can no longer be measured exactly because the polished limestone base has disappeared. So there was they put a, put a cover on the one we see. Now take a stick, a measuring, four sides, four sides, and five. Four and four is eight, this is five. Give you a measurement of 54 degrees, 19, I think we call that inches. Four and four stretched out, five here, four there, and four there. Get you a pyramid with a degree right here, 51.19. Now, let's see what the pyramid is. 13 is the value of sign that represents it. I've already said that. Oh, the 13th is the number, yeah. Builders can see the dedication you lose for inside the Great Pyramid. If they know about the angle. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Masons helped build the uh, pyramid. Wow. They instilled evidence inside there to lose it. The Masons knowingly covered that. I wrote the third book called Mason Conspiracy Against Christianity to prove that it's true. I covered it in many of my DVDs. This is true. There's three steps to this. That connect this connection through the Lucifer worship by the Masons. I guess we're going to cover it briefly. I don't know. I don't know what's next. Albert Pike and Sonic Liturgy said this. This is a 33 degree of the man, the world's most famous Mason. The symbols and ceremonies of Masonry have more than one meaning. Okay? They conceal and disclose the truth. They hit it only. And the very meanings are officially discovered by reflection and study. Gotta study. They don't want to say it right because they can't say it. Because if they did, people would blame. So they can see it. Reflection. My third book. I don't know much, but you need to read this book. It's available on the internet. Get it from my, from my website. Amazon.com sells your bookstore will sell it. You gotta, it's the first connection to show that they worship Lucifer. The initial basin in the first degree, called the apprentice degree, remember that's the blue lodge. So the initiate, the guy walks in the door, becomes a first degree basin, called the apprentice through a ritual. They, they buy him, put a rope around his neck, won't get into that. So they ask these submissions, they ask the president, ask, the vice president with this initiative with his mind pulled on, what do you ask for this candidate? And the vice president says light. The initiate asks for light. That's the first connection to show us who this God is. Here's the second. The light is not defined by the first degree ritual. Well, that's step number two. He doesn't know what it means. It's just light. So now, once again, third degree, the old Sinai symbolizes. The true knowledge of the deity. Hmm. So they're concealing the true knowledge of the deity. And it's the light on which the Mason travels in church. 
So now let's see what they say in the third degree. The Mason does not find the true knowledge of deity inside the Masonic Lodge. He's got to find it out. In the Bible or in the church or in the synagogue, he gets it from just there, the Masons. In the third degree, he finds this what's not the God of the Bible, because you already know the true nature of the deity. The God of the Bible. Or is there a Jew? No. The, the, the true nature of deity. But you're going to learn, you can only learn it. So the light is the true knowledge of deity in the second degree. Okay. That's the second step. There's got to be a third. I think I've got this. There's the third step. I'm going to cover one, two, three. This is now the third. Close dogma. Look to ritual for all 33 degrees. So now they're all. Page 321 of Morals and Doctrine. So hold on. This is the Masonic book that Lucifer the Light Bird. This book was given out to every Mason. Is it he who bear he bears the light? Doubt it not. Wow. Lucifer's the light bearer. Doubt it not. He's the one that bears the light. You Lucifer loses his light, and Ferrari, I don't know, Ferrari, French, repair. So Lucifer is the light, Latin for the light, and that's the God of the Messiah. He told us he's the light bearer. Doubt it not, he said. No question, it's true. Wow. The Mason asks for light, he gets, gets, he learns that light is the true knowledge of beauty, and he learns in the third degree, Lucifer's the light bearer. Do you see this? So they're admitting Lucifer's their light bearer, their true knowledge of deity. It's not the God of the Bible because that's not the true knowledge of deity. You learn that in the Masonic Lodge, and then it's capsulized for you in the, the book called Morals of God, which is on page 324, 324, 324, I don't remember now, 321. Lucifer's the devil. Can you pause it for a minute? I got to ask you a question before you go on here. Pause it. So, are you saying that by the time the Mason reaches just the, the lower third degree, they know that already? No, no, no. That's the one thing I. This was the earliest edition of this, and I found that that quote number two in the second degree. I then found it again in the third degree. Now, so the, I should have one, two, three, the three degrees. In the third degree, that's when he's taught. The true knowledge of deity, uh, you uh, you learn the true knowledge of deity uh, yet to come, something in effect. The so true knowledge of deity is revealed later. That's so okay. The third degree Mason does not know officially that Lucifer is their God until he's given the book Morals and Dogma, at, or used to be given the Morals and Dogma at the 14th degree. And then he reads in, on page 321 or 324. The true knowledge of deity is Lucifer is the God bearer. Doubt it not. Okay. So it's thank you for that. That's a good point. I'm glad you raised it because I don't want people to think that every third blue degree Mason does not know officially. He knows that he's going to be taught the true knowledge of deity later if he goes on, if he chooses to go on. I don't know what percentage of the Masons go on to become 32nd degree. It might be only half. I don't know. But I know that the Mason can stop at 32nd and still go to lodge meetings. So it's quite conceivable that the Mason 
will never he will never know officially that Lucifer's their god until he reads the book Morals and Dogma, page three twenty one. Lucifer is the light bearer. Is it he who bears the light? Doubt it not. And we found out that three times he's asked for the word light in the first, second, and third degree. Okay. So I'm telling you. So thank you for raising that. It's a good point. This was early, and I probably should change it, but I haven't. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's continue. Lucifer saying the devil is the true God, not the God of the Bible. That's Masonic. Mm -hmm. They conceal it in their own words. Notice I'm quoting their own words. If you reflect my brace, another quote from Pike, if you reflect my brother, you will no doubt suspect that some secret meaning was concealed in these words, even in the words I quoted. The reason they concealed it, if they said it directly, members would leave. Mm. Can you see a Christian saying, oh my gosh, you want me to worship Lucifer as being a Mason? Here's my membership card. Yeah. Lucifer the devil is the true knowledge of deity. That's what you learn in the 14th degree in morals and dogma. Hmm. That's the lesson. The Mason doesn't learn that unless he reads the book. Wow. And then he's got to reflect and ponder. It's not said directly. He can't. Mm -hmm. Every Christian in the case of a Christian is a Mason. He can't be because once he learns Lucifer's their God, he's got to leave. This is the book, Legenda, uh, Southern basically permits the utterance of false interpretation. They're lying, which served the, serve the double purpose of misleading the ignorant, the idle, and the indolent. Idol is lazy. But they, they mislead the ignorant, whom it is desirable to lead astray. So they're admitting, they admit to their brothers, calling his brothers who do not see the secret ignorant. That's not very brotherly, is it? No. Uh -uh. Boy, if my brother, my brother called me ignorant, well, he's bigger than I am, so could be much. At least I'd say, don't do that, brother, please. <laughs> <laughs> the Masons do not believe in a creator God. I'll prove that. Hold on, this is also revealed. The first 10 words of the Bible are, as everyone who's read the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. God created the universe out of nothing. Those what those 10 words say. There was a beginning. The Bible starts with that, the first 10 words. In the beginning, there was nothing, and suddenly there was something. Now, let's continue with that thought. There was a beginning. The patients do not believe in a creator God. I'll show you that. Albert Pike, page 109 of the 29th degree, a book called Agenda, another of the three books you're urged to read by, uh, by the way. I bought it, read it, read it. Mm -hmm. To say that the world came forth from nothing, from nothing in the beginning, is to propose a monstrous absurdity. We oh, dumb yeah. Christians, a belief in a creator God is a monstrous absurdity. The Masons are telling you. The Masons are teaching the universe has been here forever, which is not possible. Masonic God, the great architect, that's what they call it, the G-A-O-T-U, the great architect of the universe is the Masonic God, did not create, the architects don't create anything. Think about it. Architects, even builders do not build out of nothing. If they could do that, they could make a lot more money. Yeah. They build with pre-existing materials. They may take mud to make a brick, or they take glass to make a 
uh, rocks here. We cut logs to make wood, to make lumber, two by fours. So we came existing. So let's connect the Masonic God to the sun God. That's the next step. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to point out, David, is that if you don't know Masonry, you don't know American history. Right. Ra was the Egyptian sun god on page 281 of Morals and Dogma, the book that used to be given out until like 1978 to every Mason. The supreme being of the Egyptians was Amun, a secret, a secret and concealed god, and the original light, Amun. He creates nothing. The great original god of the the original light, the sun god, creates nothing. <laughs> How could he? He's an architect. They admit Lucifer did not create the universe. And man can do it, so God did it, the original creator of God. The true knowledge of deity is Lucifer, Satan, the devil, is the true God. That's what they teach the Masons. And it was the Masons who founded America. The founding fathers, the Masons, lied to us, and they're lying to us daily. Many of our leaders are still members of the Masonic Lodge. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, I wish, I, I wish we would. The Masons named us after Amaru. I'm convinced of that. 99% convinced of that. I can't prove it, but it's pretty, the evidence is overwhelming to me. America's secret destiny is. The New World Order. Right. Novus Orsicle, a civilization without a belief in the Creator God. Civilization led by Lucifer the Devil. That's what the New World Order is. Two modern authorities say basically the same thing. So let's keep, I'm going to try to, here's the New World Order on the back of our dollar bill in our great seal. Founded in 1776. That's when it was created. It's a baby. Not here yet. Al Gore. Who, who's that? That's oh, the guy. That's the guy that invented the internet. He sure did. Al Gore. And global warming, too. <laughs> Earth in the balance. Ecology and human spirit by Senator. Published in 1992. Don't buy the books and read them, Ralph. Stop doing that. Our challenge is to accelerate, go accelerate. The needed change in thinking about our relationship to the environment in order to shift the pattern of our civilization to a new equilibrium, a new one. Little change will be evident until a threshold is passed. Now that's a threshold. It means you're here and then suddenly you're there. Just a split second. To cross the threshold. Here, then there. Here, then there. Threshold. Quick. Split second. Separator. <laughs> yeah. Huh. huh. Okay. This guy won a Nobel Peace Prize. It's a bad picture I got off the internet, but that's the best I can do. There he is getting a Nobel Peace Prize for coming up with the brilliance of this idea. <laughs> We're going to change the equilibrium. That's the basis we believe in is the civilization. All and then, as key assumptions are modified, a flood of dramatic changes will occur all at once. 
we're going to cross the threshold, as he says, unless we find a way to drastically change our civilization. This is what Kokama Cortez is saying. She gave us 12 years. Mm -hmm. So we had drastically changed our civilization and our way of thinking about the relationship between humankind and the earth. Our children will inherit a wasteland. That's what Okaja is telling us. Maybe, maybe Okaja is a daughter of Al Gore. I don't know. It's <laughs> a possibility. <laughs> the, the threshold, once we cross it, we're going to destroy, go from here to here. This is going to be a wasteland. Don't leave the, it will remit civilization. Okay, now it's time to talk about this man. Alvin Toffler, published in 1980, The Third Wave. Future Shock and Power Shock. I've never read those books, but this one tells us, tells us a lot about it. What is the third wave? Social, he's called a social thinker, a futurist, and his books have been read in many countries. So we know this man's big, according to them. He's in agreement with, okay, Epperson in total opposition. So notice Tuffer's in opposition and is in support. I'm in opposition. But beneath the seemingly senseless events, seemingly senseless, there lies a starting and potentially hopeful pattern. Pattern. Many of the today's changes are not independent of one another. Or are they random? They are, in fact, parts of a much larger phenomenon, the death of industrialization. No more factories. We can no longer enjoy the fruits of an industrialized society in the new world order. No more appliances, no more tools, no more cars, etc. Industrialization's got to cease. What else could he mean by that except the, the destruction Middle class will have to be eliminated because we're the ones who want to build houses and build, have a car. And have, how do you accomplish that? We got to destroy the middle class, cause an economic depression. Will be one way to do it, to just totally destroy America and the world with a huge worldwide. We could, we could one way to do it export all industrial jobs to foreign nations. My God, this is why. So we can't afford appliances, tools, cars, etc. But our but our current president is reversing this. That's why it gives me hope. The destruction of the middle class in America. You've got to destroy the things that we hold dear and take away. That's what Alvin Toffler supports. Let's continue. A new civilization is slowly slowly emerging in our lives, and blind men are trying to suppress it. This new civilization brings with it. New family styles. We'll have uh, husband and wife no longer. America's survival depends on the preservation of the family, father, mother, children, babies, the family. They're going to legalize marriages of two men. They've already done this, or two women. It's even gotten worse now. Traditional marriage will be downplayed and others will be created. There are, this was done in 1985 or something. Changed way, well, 89 at least, changed ways of working. No longer we're going to have. Uh, industrial giant, we no longer will be. Of course, the one thing about, I get 
uh, uh, Donald Trump are uh, great people. We used to have abundance. That's what this thing is supposed to represent, the abundance. We've enjoyed the free enterprise system in the past, all of America. So it works. No, it doesn't. Wages were up here. Now they're going to be down here. Okay, that's that Notice I didn't delete that little store. It's going to wipe this thing. Why does thing change? Saturday everything's got to change from there to here. No more cars, no more houses. Socialized government. It's got to go from there. Changed ways of loving. Forget this is written 20 years ago, 15 years ago at least. Homosexuality and lesbianism will be called alternative lifestyles. It's actually worse than that now. Uh, uh, movies have been promoting homosexuals and lesbianisms for years. We sit here in the, the darkness and we watch this garbage. Changed ways of loving. So we're... And living. And live, uh, living, yes, I'm sorry, what are you mm -hmm. Couples living together, that started the, the downfall. We started getting uh, couples living together, all of a sudden you, where's Mary? Well, he's living with his, uh, with her boyfriend, changed ways of living, that shows we're going to live together. Husband and wife, a new economy, that's got to change totally. Economic downturn, <laughs> this is what could happen. <laughs> this is what Al Gore's talking about. This is going to happen down here at the bottom. And then we're all going to be wondering because it's all going to be planned. Al Gore, he's right, except not here. Homes for sale, foreclosures. This was abundant during the 1990s, early 2000s, et cetera. Mm -hmm. See, once again, forgive me, this is new political, this is interesting, new political conflicts. We're no longer communists. Russia is no longer our enemy. Because there's a huge big nation. I think like 11 or 10 different uh, states combined in the union of Soviet socialist nations. The terrorism is a new, new thing for us to deal with. That's our new uh, new enemy, worldwide terrorism. The third wave, published in 1980, Toffler, I think he kind of predicted. The dawn of this new civilization is the single most explosive factor of our lifetimes, period. Okay. Humanity faces the deepest social upheaval and creative restructuring of all time. The new world order. The right. we, are engaged, we are engaged in building a remarkable, offers included, new civilization from the ground up. Well, that's what Ocasio wants, isn't it? The jolting changes we are now experiencing, jolting, are not chaotic or random. They form a sharp, clearly discernible pattern. Okay, when we, we finally understand this, many seemingly senseless events become suddenly comprehensible. Welcome aboard. America, it's happening in front of our eyes. The New World Order formed the New World Order down here in 1776 is around the corner, and I can't predict when. It's orchestrated by the Masons and others, including Al Gore and now Ocasio. This nation is going somewhere by our founding fathers, it was promised in 1782. 
when this great shield was designed by America's founding fathers, there they are all joined together, destroying the setting it up to be destroyed. You were, there's my book, I'm pretty sure it was written in 18, 1989, 1990, predated all of these changes coming on, but it points them out in many cases. There's also a DVD, 14 hours of lectures available on this. It's also available. I've condensed this 14 hour lecture down, covers much of what I just covered. So you can read the new words, the new world civilization in our future. So the public can now know what this new world order is. So now let's return with the narrative. Okay, now I guess there's a couple. If you do not know, here we go. This is, I, I put this on this last. If you not know, do not know who the God is, this God, the God that created this universe, you could buy this little book. You can now know with scientific certainty that God exists. Little Ralph Epperson found it. I don't know how, God showed it to me, and I'm now making it public. It happened since 1973. You can know with science, logic, and reason that God does exist. It's no longer, okay, here we go. Get a booklet, get it on the website. Here's a, here's a hunter with his rifle sleeping, and what's this? It's a deer eating his lunch. <laughs> he's got his rifle, which means he's ready to shoot this guy, but he doesn't care. He's going to eat his lunch because he knows he's sleeping. <laughs> we are the sleeping hunter. We got our rifle, but we're asleep. And while we are sleeping, the conspiracy that I've pointed out over and over again with my books and DVDs is eating our lunch. There it is, this conspiracy. But we got our rifle, don't forget, we got our guns, but we're still being destroyed. It's time to wake up. Amen. Thank you so much. I'll Wonderful. Wonderful. Leave the screen up, would you, Ralph, <clears throat> while we talk? Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. These are these are the last slides. Mm -hmm. that, by the way, I mean that. Call me. If you've got an objection or concern or want me to know, there's my email address. Epersonraw at AOL, your website, www.ralph-, make sure you put the dash in there. You're written, produced, and narrated by Ralph Epperson. A presentation of published productions, established 1787, end of America's Secret Destiny. Now, I think it'll just go smaller. Maybe I can stop it. Yes. Stop it. because yeah, yeah, we'll have discussion. It's going to start again. Okay. We don't want that. Okay, there it is. Okay. I can make this small if you wish. No, no, just leave it the way. It, oh, you can do that too. Yeah. Okay. Ralph, you know, um, it's interesting that you brought this up because I don't know if you've been following the news up here in Oregon, but um, with this whole environmental garbage that's going on, um, they're actually saying that Oregon has a big carbon footprint. It has one of the smallest ones in the world. Um, and that... Uh, this governor that we have is uh, was trying to pass through legislation that was uh, voted down by the voters about uh, three or four years ago. Um, and it came up in a bill called um, Resolution 2020. Uh, interesting date or interesting resolution number because that's next year. Uh, and they do go in numbers, you know, randomly. Oh, not yes. yet. But uh Anyway, and this whole thing was that uh, we have to reduce Oregon's uh, carbon footprint, so to speak. <laughs> and if you drive around the state, 
you know, if, if you come from anywhere else, there's, Oregon has probably the smallest carbon footprint that there is in, in the entire world. But um, anyway, uh, so basically what the premise of this thing was to uh, uh, replace any cars that were older than 2007 or came before 2007, all farm equipment that came before 2007 um, to increase the uh, uh, gas tax by three to four dollars a gallon and to, to try to urge people to drive less, to not use their cars. And uh, basically it would have destroyed Oregon. And um, so, uh, if, see, I don't know if you read anything about it, but uh, there, there, in, in Oregon legislature, there has to be a quorum. Okay, there has to be so many people there in order for the legislature to operate. And there was just, uh, it was so beautiful the way it worked out because there were just so many Republicans that if they left, there wasn't a quorum. So uh, they were threatened by the, the governor that she was going to send the state police out to arrest them and bring them into the, the chambers of the legislature if they didn't show up. They took off and went to Idaho where the Oregon State Police have no jurisdiction. Um so the, so the resolution was defeated. However, now she's talking about writing an executive order to do this. So this whole thing that you, you talked about today, this whole subject, um, just shows it's, it's all being played out right now. You know, so the elites or the government, if you want to put them that way, um, you know, if we can't get what we want through the people, then we're going to get what we want through the legislation. And if we can't do that, then we're just going to write executive orders to get it to go through. Hence, there's no, no ta there's taxation without representation, which is what the whole civil or excuse me revolutionary war was fought over. Well, so they say anyway. But um, so anyway, no representation. Uh, the middle class is is uh, on the verge of being destroyed here in Oregon, and uh, so everything that you've shown here, just full mix mixes in and shows so well what's going on here and nationally and you mentioned that uh you know thank god for donald trump and i do thank god for him and i hope that he succeeds but at the same time he's got a big mess to clean up um so what do you what do you think ralph is uh, can you put on your uh your 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 hat that sees into the future maybe and and maybe come up with an idea that maybe what he's doing is going to work and for a while maybe or something like that or or the powers that are against him too great that he won't be able to succeed well let me, let me if i may I'll, I'll, I'll cover that briefly i i started this stuff in 1963 mm -hmm. by 1973 i was teaching it at a community college but i still only knew 25 percent of what i know today so i figured out a lot more so right. 1985, I think I told you, I toured the country in, in 91 cities in 31 states. The title of my speech was Secret Societies in the New World Order. That DVD is still available if you want to see it. It was done in 1985. 91 cities. I think I, on the average, I probably, I'm guessing 100 people. So one, the largest audience was 600. Next time I was 200. But I say an average. That means I spoke to 10,000 people, but in 91 cities all over the country. To paid audiences. Mm -hmm. And I started by saying, watch the year 2000. It's coming. The New World Order. And I showed the evidence where I found that. It's not my, th I'm not a prophet. I don't make predictions. I cover history. I'm an historian. And I said, watch the year 2000. 
So on the night of this January the 1st, 2000, uh, 1999, little Ralphie, I'm single, I lived by myself. I sat down in my living room uh, in front of the card table and I sat with two sheets of paper and one, they both had lines on them for 24 or 24 hour zones. And I marked, I moved it to uh, Greenwich Mean Time, which means they were both the same, which means there's not, they haven't gone New Year's yet because there's going to be 24 Happy New Year's Day, right. night, okay? 24 of them. 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, finally it gets to Arizona and it's three o'clock in the morning or whatever it is in, in Germany, you know. So that's it. So I sat there expecting, I'm going to be very honest with you, expecting to die. Mm -hmm. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I had made my peace with God. I said, Father, I've done all that I can. And in, in, since 1963, I believe it's your direction. You've told me, I believe, through uh, the evidence of, that I was able to find as a historian, it's going to happen tonight. I believe they're going to kill 90% of the world's population. I found that. It's in the second book. They talked about five, five million people living after all the others are dead. That's all covered in the New World Order book. I quoted like six different experts. I thought that's when it was going to happen on the night of January, the, December 31st. I'll tell you one more comment. Uh, you might remember the movie 2001. Uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke right. uh, was the author. And it shows uh, uh, that great, uh, 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 the world, it actually looks like the United Nations building. They don't identify what it is, but but it shows that as man, as the, the, uh, the chimpanzees learned how to kill with the bones, then we ended up killing by, you know, blowing people up. And then the, the thing orbits the planet Jupiter. And uh, uh, in the second one, 2010, I, I, I remember, but the, in the second one, at the end of the, the movie, I think it was 2009 or 2010, uh, the, the astronauts that are orbiting in the latest technology we got, and they suddenly say, let's get out of here, something's happening. And suddenly the planet Jupiter lights up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to happen in the year 2009, but the book was written way before that. So I, I learned that Jupiter was going to burn that night of December the 31st, 1999, mm -hmm. and I'll tell, I'll take it in sequence. I, I, I went too far ahead. But anyway, I, I quoted that and I said, watch on midnight over the Greenwich Mean Time in London, the planet Jupiter will light up and you'll be able to see it at nighttime because it's midnight. You'll see the planet Jupiter and it's going to light up right before you. We'll have two, two. well, of course, the, the, the sun is gone, but we'll have the second sun in the, in the sky. So it was confirmed in 2009, the second movie, because the planet lights up. So then Clark wrote a third book called 2061. Maybe that's the date. I don't know. But on page 13, page 13 of his book, he names Jupiter Lucifer. Really? Yes. So in huh. other words, those three movies were to tell us that something's coming. The planet Jupiter is going to light up as the second sun, meaning the old son of the God is going to no longer be the God ruling the universe. Lucifer, Satan, the devil will be in the Novus Ordo Sacrum. So I, I quite honestly expected to die. I'm not joking. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. I sat there calmly. I said, Father, I'm, I'm ready to come home. I want to, I want to see you and I want to see Jesus. 
if I if I'm ready, if I'm going, take me willingly. I want to go. Mm -hmm. So I sat there, nothing happened. Now I, I said, well, maybe it's four hours later because they had a great big ceremony at the at the uh, uh, the pyramid of Giza. They were going to put the, the capstone on there, and the capstone on the on our dollar bill is above the, the pyramid. Right. So the day that it lands, we get the new world order, the Novus Order Sacrum. But it, the the capstone, which is that pyramid, was built as a tomb, never not as a tomb, built as a temple of initiation mm -hmm. to be opened when the mm -hmm. when the when the the Lucifer lands on top, it fills the capstone of the Great Pyramid. So I thought, well, maybe then, because and then a guy called me and said, you can know that uh, uh, the, the the if the planet Jupiter lights up over Cairo, you'll be able to see it if it's a nice clear night at 11:15, which means or an hour and 15 minutes, uh, whatever 10:45, it'll it'll still be it'll show light up at precisely midnight, and then set in an hour and a quarter, which means it'll the Earth will revolve and it'll disappear. So they'll be able to see it. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I finally concluded it's not going to happen. And I just, I said, thank you, Father, for giving me the next day. I do that every morning when I wake up. I just say, Father, thank you. I, 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 I'm willing to go if it goes at nighttime. I'm here. Give me a day and I'll do what I can for you. Uh -huh. So that's it. Now, I had to change my date. People, ha ha, we were wrong, Rob. It didn't happen in the 2000. The new world order being imposed on us. But then I said, wait a minute. I didn't prophesy that. I didn't predict it. I'm an historian. I found them saying this. Right. Do you understand the difference? I'm an historian. Read my book. I document it. Mm -hmm. I tell you where they said it, where they planned it. Why the Masons had the capstone not showing on our baby, the New World Order, the word septus means conception of. Mm -hmm. So now, I cannot put a date on this. I'll be very honest with you. I, I, I really believe that if Hillary was elected straight, I don't know there'd be New World Order, but this country was doomed. And right. it was going to dis slowly disappear with Hillary because the conspiracy now had all the things they needed to do it with. They got control of the Congress, the, the Senate. They could pass laws whenever they wanted to. The, the president could sign, make laws. The Supreme Court could rule on the Uniform Commercial Code. It all fit. So then I started thinking, well, let's look for another date, and I still can't find it. People said 2009. Some said 2010. Some said 2011, 20, like you said, 2020 maybe. I cannot tell you. I don't know. All the signs were that it was going to happen on the 1st of January, the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And that's the best I can do. I don't have it. Now, I will say this. I was still very concerned about Hillary being elected because I think she's made her peace with this conspiracy, and I think she knows it's run by Lucifer. And that's why all these people are getting involved with this guy named Epstein, or whoever it is, because they, don't, they were hoping that they knew that Hillary would be elected and that she'd never prosecute them for abusing children. Right. But suddenly, all of a sudden, <laughs> guess who's, who's going to prosecute him? Old Donald <laughs> Trump. Right, right, right. <laughs> and right, when right. those things are out, people are going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. And that starts this, the draining the swamp, which is very healthy. And I'll say one last thought. Until about March of this year, I didn't have, I, 
I hated to think we're never going to win this thing. I just kept saying, well, keep doing what you're supposed to do. Ephesians 5.11 commands that I do this. I'm doing it because Jesus commanded it. I'm doing what I can do to, uh, to alert the people to, what's the word, reprove the works of darkness. Right. And right. I'm doing what I can. I'll keep doing it as long as I've got breath. Mm -hmm. I'll be underneath, when the casket, people can walk in by and say, don't forget uh, Ephesians 5.11. Don't forget to read the unseen hand. <laughs> so I'll yeah. still be talking. There you go. Yeah, very good book, by the way, too. I just I finished uh, reading it a second time not too long ago. Uh, I I started in on the New World Order, and I'm almost finished with that. Oh, and uh, man, what what amazing works, you know. And and you know, you think you know the truth, you know, because I, I knew a lot of this stuff already. But your book is like the icing on the top of the cake, you know. That kind of um, it, it accentuates. It's uh, something that explains it uh, so that really anybody can understand it. You know, I, lo I love the way you go into uh, word meanings when you're typing, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll quote these people and you go, this word means this or this word Thank means you. that. That 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 is a service to people because, you know, some of those words are, are very difficult to understand, you know, and uh, but when they're explained like that, you can put the whole phrase or a paragraph that they wrote into into the correct um, context that that was meant when it was written, you know, and that really that, I found that really helpful actually, you know, I I thought I knew a lot of big words, but now I know even more, and um, but yeah, you so you know that was done by by def, by purpose. If you'll notice in the first few chapters, are all definitions, mm. basic definition. What's a right? What's a privilege? What's a republic? What's a democracy? Right. You know, to define, we don't have common language. Mm -hmm. We think freedom and, and liberty are synonymous. They're not. They're opposites. Right. Liberty is the exact opposite of freedom. And that's why our declaration said we were endowed by our creator with unalienable rights such as the right to liberty. I don't want liberty, and I don't want my neighbor to have liberty. Mm -hmm. I don't want him coming to decide, uh, it's going to give me happiness to kill you, Ralph. Right. That's what those words mean. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's all about, basic definitions. I even gave you a little seven man on an island thing. I used that. <laughs> that's it. I'll tell you that little quick story. Yeah. I was asked yeah. to speak to a high school class. I think, they were, I think they were juniors. So in this particular building, they had these uh, accordion uh uh, things you slide to get two two classes can now join together. You know, you don't have to walk outside. They move the accordion and put put the kids in the other room. Mm -hmm. So I got up there on the blackboard. I introduced myself and I said, I'm a, a writer and historian, and I teach at community college. And I got something for you to consider. So I started on the blackboard and I started with the seven man on the island thing, and I walked them through that, and I could see I was having an effect. They're agreeing with me that it's that democracy steal and that they don't have the right to steal. They don't have the right to, to attack your, you've got the right to self-defense. I, I got them. They were agreeing with me. And I watched the two teachers over in the other room decide, my God, well, we've done four months of work on these kids to teach them the garbage. And this guy comes in in half an hour. He's got them beating out of their, beating out of their heads. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 
I had them. And they all agreed. I said, how many of you agree with what I taught you? And every hand went up. Mm-hmm. And I think the teachers, oh, my God, we got to. I probably had to spend the next six months to undo what, what I had done in 45 minutes. <laughs> I'll give you one last story. Thank you very much for your comments. And I would urge, I'm very serious. Please seriously consider reading the book, The Unseen Hand. If you don't want to read it, you can watch it on Secrets of History, because that was the, that was the, the first time I, I put those, those lectures on uh, uh, a VHS tape, I mean, a, D, uh, uh, a tape. Uh, three-quarter inch tape to a half inch then to VHS. So the, the, it was done by a bunch of amateurs on television, but it's pretty good. People uh, really enjoyed it, and I think I can I sold some. So you can watch that. You can read the New World Order. It doesn't take very long to read The Unseen Hand, uh, the New World Order book, and the Masonry book, but you need to read those three. And plus, get yourself in your routine of watching DVDs. Right. Go to go to Google Images or wherever you use, and watch the DVDs that I've uploaded or friends of mine have uploaded, and they'll and just learn. Make notes if you want to. Make copies. If you don't know how to make copies, then go to my website. The prices are very reasonable. People charge twenty dollars for a movie, and I charge ten bucks for an hour and a half movie, mm-hmm. and it's and and plus that that includes the postage. That's right. So you spend twenty plus postage, it costs you two dollars to get it. That's twenty two bucks for a movie. Many many times it doesn't even last two hours. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I cut the prices in about half because I'm trying to get you to buy the darn things and then use them. Right. Right. And you and, and you uh you give do you give license to uh to copy them and give them out too? And well yes, that's I didn't do that originally. It didn't occur to me to do that. I didn't know people had the ability to do that. But once I learned, it's put in at least my last eight or ten DVDs. It says permission is granted to copy this this DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I I I think I've done everything I can to educate. There's a couple of more things I'm still toying with to do, but I've got to put my uh, I've got a DVD out about proving. Uh, you, you you don't mean prove though, Ralph. Prove you don't prove it. Can you prove that evolution's a fraud? No, I can't. But uh, Darwin can. Yeah. That's Did true. you know Darwin put it in his own book, in his own writing? And people say, well, I don't believe it. I said, wait, well, why don't you believe it? I, just said, I said, wait a minute. If Darwin told you it was a lie, why are you being taught this? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know it's a lie. You haven't read the book, and you're not encouraged to read the book. Right. Notice there's all these PhDs. And I want to admit, in that DVD I proved, science knows it's a lie. And you're teaching it anyway exactly. because of keeping their jobs. Uh-huh. I've got a PhD in, 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 in physical sciences, and I can't. God, if I had lost my, lost my career job, I'd been working here for 30 years. I'd have to go out and work in a Circle K or something. And I, or, I, don't, have to, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. That's all I know how to do. See, this is the problem. I've had three professors at the University of Arizona. All three of them admitted to me they knew I was right, but they wouldn't let me teach it. Three right. of them. Right. PhDs. Mm-hmm. Well, one would, if actually, I'm sorry, it's two PhDs and one colonel in the Air Force, Army ROTC. I was going to get a commission, but I had a heart murmur, so I didn't get a commission. Right. So uh, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't pass. But I, after I graduated, came back, I went in to see the colonel. He said, Colonel, I uh, said, I think you might want to know what I know because I've, I've got something you should 
tell your your especially your two years last two years of your uh, the juniors who are going to be get who are committed to getting a two year uh, commission after the four years is up. I said I think they should know this. What is it? I said our government's been been building Russia's military war war machine ever since about 1920. Mm -hmm. He said what? I said that's true. It's true. I, I can prove it. Well, how how do you prove it? I said I've got books and government reports and people have got government reports. I got a 45 minute lecture, an hour and a half, but I'll give it to your class in 45 minutes and they will decide for themselves whether they want the commission. Mm -hmm. When they learn that our government is arming the enemy, maybe they don't want their commission. Right. That's right. why he can't do it. Because he's got, say, let's just make it up, 50 who's agreed to be a, a second lieutenant after they get graduate. So it's 50 classes for juniors and they come in and I teach them that how documenting the fact that we've been building Russia as an enemy. Our own government knows it because i got government reports and presidents knowing it, admitting it, et cetera. Maybe the, the colonel might lose, say, say, 10 maybe. And suddenly his reports go down to 40. The uh, Pentagon, wait a minute, you had 50. What happened, to, what, who, what happened to these other 40? Why did they quit? Well, some guy named Epperson came in. Taught <laughs> <laughs> them the truth and they quit. Uh -huh. uh, colonel, you shouldn't allow that to happen. Well, I know, but 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 he made sense. And uh, Colonel, did you want to retire? Would you be interested in retiring right now at no salary? Can we get you for a court martial? Yes. Then stop it. Don't <laughs> right. listen to Epson anymore. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I had a Russian professor admit to me. He, I I I gave a speech uh, touring Tucson. I called every civic club I could find. The newspapers used to print. Uh, they saw Tucson Kiwanis Club meets at Thursday at the uh, so-and-so restaurant at 10 o'clock and invite a speaker. So I called the, the president or called the, whoever it was and said, listen, I uh, got a subject. Would you invite me? So I spoke to nearly 100. It was, I think it was 95 or so different civic clubs all over the city. And once again, probably the average was maybe 50 or not very many. So say 100 times, that's 5,000 people I reached. So I reached these people and I taught them how our government was building Russia's military power with slides uh, and or a handout. And uh, they all agreed. They all felt. So the, 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 guy, the, 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 uh, the, the man who was in charge, of, he was a speaker, uh, you know, the guy to get the speakers. I got him on the phone. He said, yeah. I told him where it was. He said, oh, I can, I, our, our, uh, one of our members really wants to hear what you have to say. So who is he? He said, uh, I won't name him. Uh, he's Dr. Slockhead from the University of Arizona. He's a member of our club. I said, I don't care how you get him here. If you have to bribe him, kidnap him, get him on the head, get him drunk, bring him. I want him to hear this. Mm -hmm. Make sure you bring him. I'll do it. So I got there. Uh, I guess he told him who I was and what I was going to talk about. So the guy showed up, and he, uh, uh, the, I was sitting at the dais with maybe 30 members, and he walked into the back, and uh, he looked around as if to find me, I guess, and the guy said, that's the guy I'm talking about. That's our Dr. Schlockhead. So I kind of looked at him, and he saw that I looked at him, so he walked up and said, boy, I'm really looking for you. I said, well, I said, please be open, uh, Dr. Schlockhead. I've got, I'm going to show you some evidence, and I, I do it quickly. I've got 45 minutes, but I'm telling you, I've got a four-hour DVD that covers it, four-hour DVD. So listen. So I did. I laid it out, and I held up my documentation, mm -hmm. books, 
pamphlets or maybe it was slides. I don't remember which was which was which. But the slides had a picture of the book or the picture of the author and a page number, so and so. So they were seeing it as well as hearing it, which I like to do. So afterwards, I got finished. I said it's time for questions. So doctor, they all turned to Doctor Slughead, and the, the champion stood up with his mighty sword of the truth, and said, "I surely agreed with what you. I mean, I enjoyed what you had to say, but I know I want you to know you're wrong." So now they ah, oh, they breathed a sigh of relief. The uh -huh. Emerson can't be right. Our expert, who's a PhD in Russian history, he knows he's wrong. So they all said, oh, boy. And I said, Colonel, why do you say that? He said, well, I've been to Russia 20 times or whatever. I said, I know. But so was Anthony Sutton. Mm -hmm. Sutton's a PhD. And Sutton went to the Russian government to find their records and went to the American government to find their records. And that's what I'm quoting. Mm -hmm. I said, secondly, it's impossible for you not to know. Because you, everywhere you go, you're going to see signs of Americans' buildings and built by Americans and Ford and General Motors and all the others. So he came up afterwards. I just politely laid out the truth and I thought that's it. And then I got a couple other questions, so it was time to end. So he came up to me and I said, I really enjoyed that. I said, thank you very much. I said, are you, this was like in May. I said, you're going to teach a summer school this year? He said, oh yeah, I got a class going. I said, what night is it? I'm going to make it up Thursday nights. I said, when does it start? Well, a week next Thursday. So I said, I'm gonna, can I come? He said, yeah. I said, I can't afford to pay. I couldn't afford it. It wouldn't make much money because I had it cost me 90 bucks to sit and listen. And, and I said, if I take the money, I'm going to teach. I'm going to bring my evidence with me. And he uh -huh. doesn't want that. So I, better, I said, can I, can I, what I think they have a word called monitor or something. He said, yes, come and sit down. They don't care. So I started listening. I probably made half of his classes. Uh -huh. So I was making notes. Every time he made a statement that was obviously so stupid I couldn't believe it, I wrote it down. So I had a, a notebook full of his comments. So I said, listen, uh, after after the uh, we walked out to the car on the last class, I walked him out to the car because he talked to the students and they said goodbye. And then he, I grabbed his briefcase and we walked out. So I said, listen, I said, I, I, want, I want you to give me half an hour. I said, uh, I want you to close the door to your office, take the phone off the hook, and I want to talk to you. And I want you to I want you to be open and listen, because I know I, I suspect you know that I'm telling the truth. She said, okay, fine. So we agreed. So I got there, one o'clock when it was and it was it was not his business hours. He had hours on the wall for students who want to come in. But so he sat down, he shut the door, kicked, took the phone off, and I said, Colonel Slockhead. I called him by his first name. I said, you know that I'm right, don't you? And so he, he sat back in his chair and pondered for a while. He said, I better be careful. And he said, yes, I do. I said, then why don't you teach your students? I can't. He said, what do you mean you can't? That's what you're there for. These students might someday oppose Russia in a war, or maybe Russia sells the goods to North Korea and we go to war in North Korea or something else like that, and they're going to be killed by American technology, and you didn't let them know? You've got to let Well, I can't do it, Ralph. So I said, uh, okay, it's, I've done all that I can, and I walked out the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knew. He admitted he knew. Oh, I, I, I finished it. I said, listen, here's what you do. Say, listen, and the next time you get it, I'll even come during the day. Because I, I worked independently for my boss was in, I, this was Portland, I worked, uh, Tucson, I worked out of Phoenix. He was in Phoenix. So he never came to me. I sent my work. He sent me the work. I sent it back. 
once in a while I talked to him on the phone and we just did my job. So I said, listen, I'll talk to me here. And I said, here's what you do. I, I, you'll say to your class on Wednesday, uh, on Friday, I invited an outside speaker. I want you all to be here because I want you to be open to, to someone who doesn't agree with me and feels that I'm wrong. So please attend. And so I, I'm, I'm guessing they'll all show up. I said, then say to them, listen, I want you, you tell them, I don't agree with this student, but I want you to know there are people that do believe that this man's right. And I want you to make your own mind up in academic freedom. Of course, I put the emphasis there. I said, listen and open. And then if you agree with him, you agree with him. You agree with me, you agree with me. Nothing's lost. Mm -hmm. He said, I can't do that either. I said, tell him that I'm coming in, that I'm bringing this idea to you, and you agreed to let me. I can't do it, Ralph. See? Huh. So in other words, if, if any of that material is ever used against any of those students and they die as a result of it, guess who killed them? He did. Dr. Schlockhead. Yeah. Forgive me for that. And <clears throat> Colonel Whizbang. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knew. He knew. He knew I was telling the truth, but he wouldn't teach his students. These are young lieutenants. In Vietnam, the young lieutenants got killed by their own soldiers. Have you ever heard of, what's it called? Uh, uh, with, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Two Week so, Wonders or something like that? Or? Uh, yeah, there's a word for it. I can't think. Uh, you take a grenade, pull the pin and say goodbye, and throw it at your colonel. Lieutenants had a very short lifespan. Nearly 3,000, according to Wikipedia, they suspect nearly 3,000 first lieutenants died in Vietnam because of this term. I don't, can't remember what it was called. That's the thing about short memory. But there's a word for it. And when I gave that lecture to the people in the audience, they would nod their head because they knew it was true themselves, and they were in Vietnam. Right, right. So there's a word for it. I, I, forgive me, I can't think of what it is. Yeah, I think they used to call them 90 day wonders or something. Okay, like that. that's yeah. fine. But yeah. but this was this was not because they were inexperienced, this is because they're they were the ones that led their young squad, or maybe a couple of squads, or maybe even a company into battle, and they found out how they had to lose it. And they were taught how to lose it. So they came back to their barracks, half of them were gone, and then they had to go out next week and do the same thing again. And they finally said, This is madness, and I'm taking you out, buddy. And they pull the pin on it and throw throw the grenade at you and kill you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it was 2,000. Wikipedia says there's as many as 2,000 lieutenants who died under very mysterious circumstances. Huh. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I'll give you something to think about. Uh, John Kerry uh, didn't like the wars. You know, he told about how they were butchers and everything else. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed. People said that John Kerry kept getting accidents. You know why he kept getting accidents? Why is that? If you get three accidents in wartime as a result of being involved in the war, you're out. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. So yeah. Kerry had to find three accidents. He stepped on a touch, or maybe blew off a toe, or injured a finger, or maybe uh -huh. hit his head on the rock and claimed he was hit by a grenade or something. Right. He was looking for three. I guess he couldn't figure it out or didn't do it because he didn't get out. But yeah. that's what it was. And I didn't know that. Someone taught me that later. <laughs> it's just an interesting little tide tidbit. That guy was just over talking to the Ayatollah or somebody, telling yeah. him how to defeat 
that guy when he comes back there's a, a Logan Act which says no no one no one can can negotiate with foreign governments that's the purpose of our government you have to be a government like the secret of state Secretary of state or a president or somebody right and I sh they should try that banana head mm -hmm. God I can't he said was a discreet well, so is this this colonel I don't know that this was certainly after the war in Vietnam so they, some of those young officers, but the war ended in, what, 72? Yeah. And they got there in about, say, 80s. That was eight years later. So some of those young people might have been senior, at least maybe majors or something by the, the Gulf War, maybe. Mm -hmm. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. That what occurred in 1990, was 1990, it? 1990, yep. 1990. Mm -hmm. So that would be, say, 85. That's only five years later. So they might have been captains or something. Yeah, that's right. Huh? They might have died in the Gulf War because of a, a top technology that we supplied to Russia, and they supplied it in turn. Mm -hmm. Did you know that John McCain's airplane was shot down by a Russian? Yep. I think I did that. Yeah. Yeah, a Russian you, missile. A Russian... Um, Russian well, a Russian... It, yeah. Mm -hmm. who, who was firing them? Uh, well, Russian. you know, the yeah, the Russians. No, no, no. North Vietnamese wasn't taught how to do it. Mm -hmm. The Russian, I found an article in my newspaper. The guy admitted, the major or colonel in charge admitted they shot down something like 23 American airplanes, one of which was John McCain. Right, right. Because he, he lost one in an airplane in A4, I think it was, shot down by a missile. Uh -huh. No missiles were being fired except by the Russians. Oh, he was another wonder, that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I. You live in Arizona. How... how how did he keep getting reelected? That's what... because he was well known. He had a beautiful wife and family, and, and you know. And, and he, well, listen, I'll, I won't name this guy either. Little Ralphie Epperson went to high school and graduated in 1955, mm -hmm. and then I went to the University of Arizona for four years, graduated in '59. Now, don't start subtracting, David. Just leave it alone, okay? Well, that's I'm real easy. I was born in '59, so I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> We were glad. Anyway, I graduated. Okay. So now, during those four years, three years of high school and four years of college, one of my classmates was, was a guy bumped into him on campus. So, hi, Ralph. Hi, and so and so. How are you? So I thought, you know, he was a non entity. Huh. He never did anything. He was just there. Right. I wasn't much better, but at least I was doing something. A lot of people like me, but no, I don't even know, remember him in classes. So he did nothing. He didn't run for office. He didn't play on any football teams or basketball or nothing. So I left in 1960 and ended up in Oregon in 76. And I was coming back in 76 to Arizona. Uh, I, I was moving to Tucson so I could we could move my family. We lived here. And I could buy a house. And I came to, to buy a house. And my, my wife was still working up in in, uh, so we could we'd move down from there from our house there to Tucson house. Mm -hmm. So as I'm driving, I kept seeing these uh, these uh, 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 billboards. Schlockhead for senator. Can I call him Schlockhead? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Anyway, I'll call him Schlockhead. Schlockhead. I said, well, I can't be my Schlockhead because my Schlockhead wasn't smart enough to be any senator. Right. So there was no picture. Well, then I saw that it was. Really schlockhead. Well, I said, well, my, my, my classmate was really schlockhead. Can't be him because he was a nothing. And then I saw a picture of Willie schlockhead, and it was old 
Willie Schlockhead. I said, that guy's <laughs> running for the Senate in Arizona? This is impossible. This guy was a nothing. Uh -huh. I remember after he was elected, I drove from Tucson to Phoenix. And I, I was going up there to do a talk show. And so uh, in the afternoon, I went there in the morning and on the same station, old Schlockhead was on. <laughs> and I kept a piece of paper by me. I wanted to write down what he said. And he kept using words improperly. He was trying to impress us with words that showed he was intellectually smart, college graduate, and a law school graduate, and a United States senator. And I couldn't believe it. I made a note of it, and unfortunately, I threw it out. But he said, like, we were going, and he said, we got, we got to the, to the and uh, you, he had uh, sentences with a proposition, things like that, just basic stuff. You don't make the mistake, but he's doing it to try to impress as he knew. I went to, three, I think it was th at least three, when later on in his lifetime there, uh, he decided, I'm, I got to do this. I, my congressman here used to have open meetings where he'd go and address the public at so-and-so restaurant in the back room or something. So it was open to the public. So I used to go. So I decided I'm going to go to, to Senator Slockhead's open meetings. And um, so the first time I went, Slockhead, it was in a, a high school gymnasium, which means it's, there's a, a raised platform for plays and dances and then the basketball court and, and places to put chairs down. And so we, we were sitting in the chairs. And so the microphone was in the middle. So I got there and said, Dennis, hi, there's Ralph Emerson. Oh, Ralph. I didn't know Dennis from Adam. I heard him. <laughs> oh, hi, Ralph. Hi, it's good to see you. Oh, yeah, Dennis. I'm seeing that you've become a senator. Yes, I have. I said, listen, I got a question for you. Well, go ahead. I said, did you vote for the INF Treaty? He said, yes. I said, uh, did you read it? He said, no. <laughs> Wait a minute, Dennis. I elected you as a senator. I didn't vote for you, but I said people voted for you as a senator to read the bill, to know what it said. I said, why did you vote for it? Well, I, I trusted Reagan. I said, Dennis, I said, you know enough to know that Reagan's the enemy. He's the guy you vote against and you curse and swear at and call him names. He's a Republican, Dennis. Didn't you know that? Yeah, I did. I said, but why would you? He could have stuck stuff in there that you wouldn't vote for if he read it. So he didn't like that. Huh. So I held it up and read it. I said, I got a copy of it here, Dennis. This is the INF Treaty, page 47. I'm going to make it up. Those, it says on the front page, Dennis, I'll hold it up so you can see it. You couldn't see it, but I said, it says this is a treaty to eliminate. The word eliminate means we're going to destroy the intermediate range missiles, which are those up to 500 miles or something, 1,000, wherever it was. They, they couldn't reach America. But anyway, we're going to eliminate them. So let's read here, page 47. Quote, those missiles about to be destroyed under the terms of the treaty shall be subject to external visual observation only. Huh? Excuse me. Dennis, what does that mean? Could we cut it? No. Could we touch it? No. Could we kick it? No. Could we look inside? No. Can we drop a magnet on it? Can we drop acid on it? No. External Visual observation only. In other words, they could put a phony missile out and we'd have to certify it's one to be eliminated, right, right. Dennis? He didn't like that either. I said, let's read the other part. The warhead, page 97. I went flip, flip, flip. Page 97, held it up. He couldn't see it. But anyway, I'm showing you, I got the thing in my hand. If you want to challenge it, come down, I'll show it to you. Those 
warheads to be eliminated by the terms of the treaty. Since they're small, they're not going to be, they can be removed from the missile before the missile is destroyed. Which uh -huh. means we're not going to inspect them. We're not going to see it removed. We're not even going to certify it. It's a warhead. Mm -hmm. I said, Dennis, why would you agree to that? It said we're going to eliminate it. They could take it off of missile A, if they had a missile A, and put it on missile B. Right. Should they? Yes. I said, Dennis, why did you vote for that? Uh, next question, please. <laughs> so the last the last time I went, and I don't remember the second time, but the third time I went, uh, I, I know that he was a Democrat. So I, this was during Carter administration. Uh -huh. So I said, uh -huh. or maybe afterwards even, I said, Dennis, are you a Democrat? I said, I said hi, Ralph. Oh, hi, hi, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh my God, here he comes again. So I, I, I said, so I said, I named his first name. I didn't mean to do that. Forgive me. I don't, I don't mean anything to anybody, but please don't, don't do this to Dennis. Uh -huh. So I said, uh, Dennis, uh, if you figure it out, just leave him alone. He's still alive. He lives in California. So I mean, he's a classmate. <laughs> so anyway, I said, Dennis, uh, I believe you're a Democrat. Oh, yes, I am indeed. I said, I said, uh, uh, did you vote or did you allow Jimmy Carter to name the big new Brzezinski uh, national secretary, national, uh, national, national security advisor? Yes, I did. Now, if I remember, the Senate has to vote on him. So I said, did you vote? Oh, yes, I did. Indeed. I said, I have in my hands here a copy of a book he wrote called Between Two Ages. Wrote it way many years before he was national security advisor, before Carter even found him. So I'm going to read you page 46. And I read at least four or five pages directly from his book about he was admitting he was a Marxist communist. It's a big new Brzezinski, put it in writing. Right. I'm reading it. I said, Dennis, why would you vote for a man who's a committed, personally, sex, a, a communist? He's admitted it. It's in his own book. He's praising Marxism. 13 or 15 times in his one book. Mm -hmm. I, please forgive me, I'm raising my voice, but I said, Dennis, can you explain to us why you would vote for that man? He said, well, the Democratic Party is full of diversity. There's where I heard that. Oh, boy. Okay. So we could do that. See, because Carter's not a, a, a communist, so we could allow a communist to be our national security advisor. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll make one last comment about Prue Dennis. He... Uh, we had, of course, I have class reunions. So maybe the four or five years later, it might have been that long, greater, maybe a couple of years, I don't remember. But anyway, it was a BYB, a BYB, bring your own bottle, meaning it was a, uh, no, it was an open bar, which we had a bar so the hotel could make money on it, but you uh, you had to uh, pay for it. So, but it was open, you know, there's no no free, no two for the price of one, no for, you could buy Coca Cola's really one. So, I walked into the room a little bit. I was working on the on the uh, the staff. I was take, manning the table for people coming in. So I wasn't. I didn't get in. Uh, get past uh, free until probably twenty minutes late. So I walked in and I saw Dennis, <laughs> he saw Dennis across the, the the room, and he looked at me and saw me walking <laughs> walking directly towards him. Dennis grabbed his wife and he <laughs> he left. <laughs> <laughs> so That's hilarious. So I waited for Saturday. So he'll be there Saturday. He didn't show up Saturday either. 
<laughs> he knew in front of his friends and his fellow classmates who they thought it was an honor to have a former senator as our classmate. Well, I didn't think that. The guy was a Yahoo. Yeah, you're not he kidding. He never amounted to anything. He was he was even put on I, I don't think it was Carter, who was it? Um somebody's short list of vice presidents, and I laughed. I said, You're kidding me. Dennis <laughs> Deaconcini being on. I said, I'm gonna join with uh with uh, all these uh, Hollywood celebrities going to go to Canada. <laughs> if they're going to make this jerk the next a heartbeat away from the presidency, I don't want anything to do with this nation. Did the communists uh, used to call people like that useful idiots? Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. I, I, it's interesting. The Masons supported Nikolai Lenin. Mm -hmm. But as soon as Lenin got into power, guess who died? Yeah. The Masons. That's they right. were promised power. And, and authority and big jobs, and they weren't going to get big jobs. Uh -huh. And the first people they liquidated were the Masons guys. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And they don't want to talk about that either. Mm -hmm. The Masons, the, 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 the Lenin Stalin group murdered 40 million, com uh, not com 40 million civilians, people who were innocent, farmers and shopkeepers and pastors and rabbis and people just butchered, slaughtered. Four, as much as four, many as forty million of them. Yeah. And, and I got in my uh, America uh, in my uh, lion's paw. I got pictures of them both giving the lion's paw, which means they were initiates of the ancient Muslim religion of Lucifer worship. Isn't I, that interesting? Yeah, that was in the uh, unseen hand too, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, I no. I, or well, was it I, under New World Order? It's in one of your books. Okay, it might be maybe so. Well, it might be a masonry book. I think it's in the masonry, but anyway, oh, okay. Nate, but you saw it. But that's just the point. The reason yeah. they could do it is no one understood what it meant. Well, Ralphie figured it out and found it for sure. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as far as I know, that DVD is still the only one on the market discussing this. I don't understand. Those yeah. people murdered multiple millions of people, and we think they're great. One, one of the cities, someone sent me a statue of Lenin, a Stalin, uh, forgive me, Lenin. Yeah, I saw that. It's, yeah. It, where is it? It's in Seattle? I think so, yeah. It's, it's here in the Pacific Northwest. I just don't yeah. remember where. It's not very big, but he's in some statue. If you want to remove a statue, that would be a good one to start with. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> we have a statue of uh, Pancho Villa in our, one of our parks. And uh -huh. he's on his horse, and the horse is triumphant. He's got his head up, and he's one step is, you know, they curl it one Step down, the other one's curled up, and he's got his arms up or a hat or something. The guy killed uh, Arizonans. Yeah. He just marched across the border and wiped out a city. Mm -hmm. And he's in our, in our, that's a statue that might come down. Yeah, there you go. So, there you, go. <laughs> I, you know, this is the way we live in this crazy world where they tear down. I don't like Robert E. Lee any more than the, the, the Northerners did. But mm -hmm. this is part of our history. You can't. We want to want to be reminded about what he did, and how he butchered people and killed people and fought a war that killed multiple hundreds of thousands. Three hundred, I think, sixty soldiers died from the north and two hundred and some from the south. Uh -huh. That's six hundred thousand soldiers died in a war that we didn't have to fight. Yeah, that's true. The bankers wanted a war. Well, the bankers got it. Yeah. Well, so, there's a special place in hell for the bankers. That's all um, I got to say. But, uh, well, hey, Rob, I have to uh, tell you that we've got like five minutes left, um, so we might want to wind it up. But I've been 
we and we're going to be together next week too anyway right so we can yes we can continue uh things but um man i kept you know i got to tell you you know you you i wish my dad was alive because if he was you and him are kindred spirits oh wonderful and you know he taught me a lot of the stuff not everything because he he didn't have the knowledge that you have but um so he he told me a lot of stuff that that you talk about and and you re and you're reaffirming, you know and and it just shows me that you know that he was right, and uh, and the things that he uh, they weren't even assertions they were facts that he was relaying, yes. you know, and uh, and it's just it's helped me to understand reading your books and listening to you talk has helped me to understand why things are happening the way they're happening. Yes. And and it and it's it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't like the things that are happening, but it's somehow reassuring to know that um, that it is a plan, but that it is a plan that man has put together. The new world order is, and we know that everything that man puts together cannot stand, um, yes. and and it will fail ultimately, and it'll probably fail with the return of Jesus. But um, it's uh, it's just it's nice to know that the information is getting out there, and that people can can read it, can, can listen to it, can see it on DVDs and, and can, can find comfort in knowing that, you know, they're not the only ones that see this stuff going on and that, um, that there is an answer and that, uh, and that, uh, I don't know, because sometimes you think you're, you're imagining things, you know, oh no, things can't be as bad as I imagine, but they are. And, uh, and, but there's a reason we know why now. And, uh, so, you know, like when you, uh, when you, when you feel bad, when you have a fever and stuff and, and you know, you're sick, it kind of, it's kind of worrisome. But when you go to the doctor and you find out what that sickness is and that there is a an antibiotic or an antiviral or whatever it is to take care of the problem, it brings comfort. Just going to the doctor brings comfort, you know? And, uh, so basically, you know, you're, you're basically a doctor of history, um, helping us to understand all these things. And I'm really appreciative of that. I really am. So well, I, I can, I can generally thank you, David, for the opportunity. Uh, please, if I may, uh, when you end it, I, I want to talk to you about what you said, if you don't mind for 10 minutes or so. Oh, sure. Said to start. And then yeah. we can also discuss what we want to do next week. If you wish to do another program. I Oh yeah. Ralph, we're in it for the long run, man. <laughs> okay. Listen, all of these, many of these things that we're discussing are in, in videos, which means you don't have to buy anything. Go to the internet, Google, uh, vid, uh, Google videos, Ralph Epperson, and just read. Uh, and go to my website and 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 read the uh, just browse and see how serious this problem is, and and then get busy. Start looking and telling your neighbors, your friends, your family if you can, and start educating. And once again, to you and your listeners, I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much, David. And God bless you. We'll talk to you next week. Our pleasure, Ralph. Hold on a second, okay? Yes. <laughs>